Welcome to Midnight Book Club. I'm John Hart. And I'm Alexa. Pour yourself a stiff drink, pull up a chair, and get lost in the fantasy for a while. So my question, though, is what if someone only wants to be a certified freak five days out of the week? Not possible. Where, where are the unions coming in? in the, in the, where are the freak unions coming from that say, like, you only should be allowed, have to work. You should only have to be a freak five days out of the week and then two days of rest. No, you need to have that commitment 24-7. It's not something that you can just dive into on a Monday morning. But if you have, you know, two days of respite from your freak work life, you got to have that freak home balance, you know? No, it's um, freak home integration. Freak home integration? Well, since everybody freaks from home now. um... (laughs) Interpret that as well. (laughs) I mean, there's many reasons that people are freaking from home now. It's... Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's a, a disrupt, a tech based disrupt in the freak economy. Being a freak isn't a profession, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. It's something that you choose, it's something that you reconfirm every single day. How can you take a break? You have to wake up every morning and choose freakness. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Are you are you telling us how it's done, Alexa? Yeah, obviously. I'm just saying that I'm a certified freak, a certified Witcher expert, mm-hmm. um, TM. TM. So you can um, ask me all your Witcher questions. I am a flawless fount of knowledge. As I said before, who cert- who is the certifying body that's handing out these pieces of paper that state one is a Witcher expert? Who 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 would I call about your licensing in Witcher Freak certification? I can't tell you. So now you have nothing to say. Yeah, now I have nothing to say. Because you're not a Witcher expert. Well, because I'm, I'm clearly not a Witcher Freak. Well, I'm both a Witcher Freak and a Witcher expert. Sorry, you can't people, get people on my can't level. Just, people can't just walk around like declaring themselves Witcher experts. Uh, sorry, I didn't declare myself a governing body. Declared I still, me a Witcher expert. I still do not see any diploma on your wall. So today we are talking about chapter four. Chapter four. Of Time of Contempt. Of Time of Contempt. And we're, we're, we're kind of going to run right into it a little bit here um, because... There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. Really? Yes. <laughs> there is a lot. I thought this chapter was like super slow and I was like, where is the action already? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just dialogue after dialogue after dialogue after <sighs> like, dialogue. Like get to the point. You know what? What are things actually going to happen? I need to see the next plot point. This, this chapter had too much. It had too much combat in it. I really just wanted them to get back to diplomatic negotiations. I, I really just wanted to see some just banter between two dudes in a marketplace that we don't know or care about. <laughs> Are you saying any chapter is like that so far? We've had a couple. That's rude because like, okay, this is why the Witcher governing body does not recognize you because they're like, wow. So you can't even recognize that you need to set up dominoes to make them fall. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're, you're not, 
in our club. You're not even allowed to know about us. Uh, Forget I ever mentioned You've it. said too much already. I have said too much already. Yeah, okay. <sighs> I feel like you're not in a place to reciprocate my energy. It's good I'm doing the summary because, <laughs> you know, I've had my coffee and I'm ready to go. I, I know, I know. You're... you're your your Witcher certification flexing muscles. You took all your your Witcher pre workout. Your black gull was that the was that the potion? Wow, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know <laughs> I'm right. I, I took the black gull. Uh huh. Really uh-huh. interesting. Yes. Yeah. That's what non experts say. Oh, okay. Experts know better. Is there is there like a slight designation after your name now, like Alexa Epitropolis W E? Like, no, no. A, a, an Esquire. I, I don't really want to tell you about things that you couldn't possibly fathom. Is you there haven't a, been is in there my a, universe. Is there a ranking level? Like, do you have like journeyman, witcher, knowledgeable person? Do you have like apprentice, witcher, knowledgeable person? And then like master and expert level, witcher, knowledgeable person? Yes. But the way that you're putting it is so simplistic. Mm. Like I said, I can't just tell you about the ins and outs of this certifying body. Mm-hmm. I wish I could. You're just not at that level. <sighs> Fine. Hopefully through this summary, you'll learn. Can I can I at least test to try and get like my white belt in Witcher knowledge? We'll see, young Padawan. <laughs> we'll see. Just don't murder me because I have bad dreams. Mm, no promises. <laughs> So, shall we shall we get into the the long and the skinny of chapter 4 of Time of Contempt? Of chapter 4 of Time of Contempt, yes. Shall we roll right into the long and the skinny? I think so. You think so? There is a reading and we learn a little bit more about the Tower of the Gulls or Torlara. Mhm. I will read that just because it's important to know for some reason. That we'll get into later in the summary. A dramatic reading by Alexa. The Lara portal, also known as Benevent's portal, after its discoverer, located on the Isle of the Ned, on the uppermost floor of the Tower of Gulls. A fixed portal, periodically active. Principles of functioning, unknown. Destination, unknown. But probably skewed, owing to damage. Numerous forks or dispersions possible. Important information, a chaotic and lethally dangerous portal. All experimentation categorically forbidden. Magic may not be used in the Tower of Gulls or in close proximity to it, particularly not teleportational magic. In exceptional cases, the chapter will examine applications for permission to enter Torlara and for inspections of the portal. Applications should be supported by evidence of research work already in progress and specialization in the subject area. So that that's an important thing to note, uh, that teleportation is a, a exceptionally banned around the portal. Yes. So we'll find out why it's important later in the we'll summary. See. So we open and Siri is dreaming. And... She sees a tower, she hears a predatory bird cry, and then suddenly she is the bird. She refers to this predatory bird as a raptor. Ooh, yeah. Uh, so that was actually a really neat thing that I caught. And I think I've mentioned, I may have mentioned this before on the podcast. So if it is, I, I if I have, I apologize. But um, 
she refers to the predatory bird as a raptor, um, which is something that really only ecologists do um, because it's the the name, the family name for predatory uh, raptorial um, birds of prey. So it definitely Anse showing his uh, his ecology side a little bit here as well. So yes, and we can do an ecology corner later. Oh, that was actually pretty much all I had for this oh, chapter. Fine. <laughs> So Siri is flying as the predatory bird, and then she sees a button-eyed doll. Um, we know where that was. Chekhov's doll. She suddenly sees as if she were the doll. Mm. Um, then she sees a tomcat, and then suddenly she is the tomcat. Mm-hmm. So she's seeing things, and then she's seeing from the perspective of them. Mm. And then she hears Yen screaming shrilly, mm. and mm. she wakes up. She's been locked in her bedroom where she's staying mm-hmm. in Loxia. And it's really stuffy, even though the window is wide open. And she knows why that is. Mm-hmm. Jennifer put a protective um, spell around her room. Mm-hmm. And she suspects it's not only um, to keep people from getting in, but to prevent Siri from getting out. Because mm-hmm. recently she did try to run to Hirondum away from Yennefer. So this is a protective charm. For your own protection. And Ciri is um, drenched in sweat, of course, from the dream. And she hears downstairs Dandelion has met up with some musicians and Mm -hmm. is playing a ballad. And she's listening to the lyrics um, of the new song that Dandelion is playing and she falls asleep again. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, she sees that black and white tomcat again that she was briefly in her dream before. And then she is the cat. So now she's mm-hmm. seeing from the cat's perspective. They're in this strange house with a large collection of books, a large library. There's two men that are looking over scrolls. One has a very large head and clearly has dwarfism. Mm-hmm. Does that sound familiar it to you? It sounds very familiar. We we know someone who's in that category. He's also in a wheelchair. Um, and We definitely know someone in that category. Right. And so the men keep speaking, and um, they refer to each other as Codringer and Fen. These are two characters we met mm-hmm. a little earlier when Geralt was consulting them about um, finding Rhines and also mm-hmm. finding a little more information about this Child of the Elder Blood prophecy. Codringer is saying, we're, we're just now realizing who Siri is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like who she really is. Yep, yep. She's this last poisoned apple off of a tree of hate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's descended from the line that includes Folke. Yeah, yep. Um, the ravenous she-demon that is Folke. Mm. And... Fen is like, that's impossible, Codringer. Folke didn't have any children. Ah. And um, Codringer is like, well, we don't know everything. It's possible that Folke had children. Mm. And we know now that um, Fiona, the great, great, great grandmother of Pavetta, was the daughter of Folke. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And if you recall the legend, it was Folke who was cursed because Laura Doran, Ape Shadal, had put a curse on her mother. Mm-hmm. 
And so they're saying that Siri is the long line of cursed children. She has this cursed blood. It's part of the reason she has this power. Ah. Um, and Fen is like, well, even so, like, what does that matter? Mm-hmm. And Codringer mm-hmm. says, well, it doesn't even matter if it's true. If someone believes it's true, mm-hmm. then it's consequential. Mm-hmm. And there is this prophecy from Folke's blood mm-hmm. will be born an Avenger who will destroy the old world and build a new one on its ruins. Mm-hmm. If people believe in this power of this prophecy, then of course they're going to want to get their hands on Cirilla. Absolutely. And prophecy has a tendency to be self-fulfilling just by existing and people thinking it has power. And Codringer also clarifies that it's not Cirilla who's supposed to be the Avenger. Mm, it's mm-hmm. supposed to be her son. Her son, yeah. So the idea is that anyone who has a child or... Mm-hmm causes Cirilla to be impregnated will be the heir to this child for whatever that means. And then they put together, of course, that this is why Ciri is being hunted by Amir of Nilfgaard. Yep, yep. Cirilla's son is basically supposed to be like an iteration of the Antichrist. He's Mm -hmm. supposed to be this like unholy force that's going to like, similar to like, Game of Thrones, like mount the mount the horse, the stallion that will mount the world, right? Yeah, the yep. stallion that will mount the world. That's sort of this prophecy that is being invoked with Siri now. So she's Loki, and her son is supposed to be Fenrir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Work in your AC Valhalla references there. <laughs> yeah, of course. So Fen, who seems a little less evil than Codringer says, well, shouldn't we tell Geralt this? And Codringer mm. is like, that fool? Why would we tell Geralt yeah. about this? Like, first of all, he just told me he doesn't work for gain. Mm-hmm. I believe him. I believe he works for others' gains. Yeah, but he doesn't even know it. And so, and like, Fen is like, well, who do you mean? And Codringer is like, I think you know who I mean. And the that subtext... Bitch is definitely that he's working for Yennefer. He's working for Yen. And Codringer is like, why shouldn't it be me? Why shouldn't I be the person that benefits from this? Mm -hmm. Why shouldn't I be the one that has the golden goose? I'm the one that did the research. I'm the one that did the digging. So I've put some plans into effect, and I'm going to have a few men go to Thined in my stead, and we're going to Mm -hmm. be the ones that get a hold of Ciri. Yep, yep. And then there's a knock at the door. And while Siri is watching this, before he headed to the door, she was like, don't open the door. Like, she has this impulse. Mm-hmm. And Codringer is like, oh, that must be the men. Mm-hmm. And so oh, Mary man. He, he goes to the door, opens it, and... They're not so merry men. They are not the men he was expecting. Mm-mm. There's a half-elf mm-hmm. and two thugs. Yep big burly heavy kind of guys and they immediately ask are you codringer and he's like no i'm codringer's imbecile servant Mm -hmm. like my master is out traveling how can i help you yeah and they're like well you can deliver a message for us and he's like oh yes oh yes i'll definitely do that he's playing this part really well the scroll that they give him oh yeah they hand him a magic scroll that has like ribbons on it that turn into tentacles and like grab his arm and like pull them into him. 
Sorry, it was it was a really cool scene. Rough look for Codringer yeah. here. He is gutted like a fish. Yeah, yeah. And isn't even able to scream for Fen. Mm-hmm. Because, like, when he tries to speak, only blood. Yeah, comes he's, up. he's he doesn't have a diaphragm left. Like. So the men start looking around, and it seems that they know immediately to expect that Fen is there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so um, he's waiting for them, and he has the loaded arbalist, mm-hmm. which was pointed out in chapter yep. two. Chekhov's arbalist. And he fires, and he actually gets one of them, and they tumble to the ground. Mm-hmm. But the other two don't really pay it any mind, keep yep. coming forward. He's not able to load it fast enough. And they set him on fire. This is how they kill Ben. Yeah. It's a pretty brutal way to die. Well, okay. So I will say they at least don't show us setting him on fire. They douse him in, in uh, ink remover, which is basically acetone, and then set the room on fire. Important distinction. You the know? implication is still very much <laughs> it's, there. Yeah, like they douse him in highly flammable, like explosive fluid and then set the room on fire. Yeah. So the half elf picks up the documents that Ben was looking at. And mm-hmm. one is this picture of a flaxen haired young girl. Mm-hmm. He picks it up, shows it to the other guy. The guy shakes his head. And so he's like, whatever. And they just start burning all of the documents, yep. like all of the evidence of this research that Codringer and Fenn had done. Yep, yep. And Siri, as the cat, has escaped the fire yep. and is thinking it's stupid that all of the villagers are running towards it while the cat has just escaped with its life and is licking its paws that mm. are covered in blood. Yeah. Quite the, a vision. The cat escapes. The, don't worry, the cat gets away. The cat does get away. Yeah. And does not care. Yep. Because cats do not care. Cats do not care. Siri wakes up and does not remember anything. She realizes that the charms have stopped working Mm -hmm. and the room is suddenly much less stuffy. It's a noticeable change and she knows Mm -hmm. why that is. And she sees this magical illusion in front of her Mm -hmm. um, and it becomes a portal, Mm -hmm. which is like a door and a series of doors, which is what she's always seen in her dreams. Yeah. Yep. And Yennefer tells her, like, to come with me. And Mm -hmm. she goes with Yennefer. Yeah. Meanwhile, we are told that history would have gone very differently Mm -hmm. if Geralt didn't have scruples. If Geralt just had fewer scruples, things might have happened very differently. However, Geralt did not want to pee off the balcony into some geraniums. He, like most, most men if they woke up in the middle of the night and had to relieve themselves would have just happily leaned over the balcony and just let fly. Geralt decided to be more dignified, got himself dressed and descended down into the courtyard to find a nice bush to relieve himself in. Yes. And we note here that Yennefer is still sleeping. Mm -hmm. She's in bed. So he's like, Mm -hmm. all right, I'm going to go out. So he gets to the courtyard, he does his business, and he notices that his medallion is vibrating substantially, like very much. Like there's clearly someone Mm -hmm. has just cast a spell. Yeah. Yep. There's something big and magically big going on. And then he hears a crash and like booming coming from Mm. one wing 
of uh, the castle. And so he is like, all right, I'm stupid. I'm going to run right into the fray, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is a very Geralt thing to do. He gets there. He's like in the banquet hall and he sees a bunch of heavily armored guys wearing sigils of Verdania. Mm -hmm. And they're being led by Dijkstra. Yep. And right away, like, Something is okay. Going where did on. where did the heavily armored dudes come from? Because they're not allowed in this magic school. This is the equivalent of like Hogwarts. Like, yeah, this is a magical school. Like, why are there like heavily armed Redanian soldiers walking in? And where did they come from? Yes, all all great questions. And they're trying to overpower someone that Geralt recognizes as Artad Terranova. Mm-hmm. One of the members of the chapter that's very high ranking. Yep. Yep. And also Kira is here. Kira Metz, mm-hmm. who he met the previous evening, is also here. And she's not dressed in like her ball gown. She's dressed in like men's clothing in mm-hmm. a specific mm-hmm. like gray uniform almost. Yep. And she is giving the order to handcuff our Todd. Mm-hmm. And he's yelling, like, Don't you dare put those cuffs on me. I'm a member of the chapter. Mm-hmm. And Kira's like, no, you're not. You're a traitor. Yep. You're a traitor to the cause. And as people are putting the cuffs on him, which um, we are told later actually contain dimeridium, mm-hmm. which is a magic inhibiting mineral. I was about to say it's a it's a magical compound that inhibits magic. But yeah, yes. yeah it's a fantasy compound <laughs> yes. that inhibits magic <laughs> would have been better language. So... As Artad is being handcuffed, he calls Kira a whore. She punches him, like absolutely decks him. She rocks his shit. And Geralt's like, huh, that's really weird. And then mm-hmm. he notices she's wearing brass knuckles. Yeah. Kira like turns around and asks, like, what the hell is Geralt doing here? Like, mm-hmm. what is happening? Mm-hmm. And Geralt is also like, what is happening? I don't understand what's happening right now. And Dijkstra is like... I wouldn't ask any questions if mm-hmm. I were you. You've stepped like into the shit now. Yeah. Like, you've seen yep. a lot already and we're still not sure what to do with you. Mm-hmm. He he literally just has a, a knack for being in the wrongest place at the wrongest time. And so Kira's like, I don't have time. Just guard him for now. And Dijkstra says to Geralt, like, I wouldn't try anything. Mm-hmm. And Geralt's like, I just want to know what is going on. I don't even know what to try. (laughs) I am confused. I came down to pee. Dijkstra explains, look, you've walked into something here. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's unintentional. I think there might have been some pressuring from someone else. Like, be honest with me. Like, why are you here? Why are you here? And Geralt just keeps maintaining, I just walked in. I just walked in. just happened to. So um, Kira comes back and she comes with a flaxen-haired sorcerer mm-hmm. and he's one of the alliance members here. Mm-hmm. And they're all like discussing like, what do we do with Geralt? Mm-hmm. He's asking like, well, isn't he the one that's involved with Yennefer? Mm-hmm. Like this is a whole big mess. Yeah. And yeah. Kira says, yes, and we still don't know about her. Yep. yep. What don't we know? What don't we know? Where her loyalties lie. Dijkstra finally clues Geralt into what's going on. Mm-hmm. He says that, um, like, haven't you gathered what's happening yet? Like, yeah, yep. 
I don't really like agree with their methods. Like I think they're being way too hasty because um, coup d'etat and punches are like beet soup. They're mm-hmm. best served cold. Yep. And this is where he like sort of questions Geralt's motives. Like, mm-hmm. did Yennefer send you here? Yeah, yeah. Like, what's going on with you? Like, it doesn't seem like a coincidence to me. Yeah, yeah. Why? There's you just happen to be in the most important place that someone who was loyal to someone else might be interested in gathering some information about what the goings ons. And Geralt says, "No, Yen sound asleep." She's in bed, warm. Mm. Does that make you feel any better? And Dijkstra's like, actually, no. The only people that are still in bed are Are traitors. Traitors to the cause, yeah. They're clearly not bothered about something that's going on tonight. So Mm -hmm. there's a problem there. And this is where we learn that the traitors are being accused of being in bed with Nilfgaard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These are people that are trying to undermine the chapter and the countries that they all work and spy for. Yep. And ally with Amir. Yeah. Geralt's taken into this large hall that's full of Redanian soldiers. And in the center is Sabrina and Triss. Geralt also sees that Vilgefortz's assistant, mm-hmm. Lydia Van Bredervoort, is on the floor. Dead on the floor. Yep. And the only reason that he knows that it's Lydia is because of her dress. Mm-hmm. Her face is completely caved in. Mm-hmm. Um, and Triss is like saying someone needs to put like a sheet over her. Mm-hmm. The illusion that had been in place, like, Faded, faded away as soon as she died once she died and now like we see what her face actually looked like and it's mangled and horrifying and tris is questioning this other sorcerer who was in the room and saying like what happened like who mm-hmm. did this to her how did she die and the sorcerer is very confused and he's like i don't know like she I just came around at me. yeah i turned around and she had a dagger in her chest and yeah. I, I don't know where it came from it's her own dagger like, this is really confusing to me, too. Yeah. Um, she she had attacked them. There wasn't a scuffle. Like, it, it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Triss runs up to Geralt at this point and blinds him magically. Like, mm-hmm. he's seen too much, and she does this to protect him. Yeah, yeah. Geralt is still able to gather what's going on because of every like every other sense like he Mm -hmm. can hear things he can smell things he can sense things. yeah Geralt is still pretty much still very much in the game um even without his sense of sight a lot of other shit is going down so the allies are trying to find um Marty Sodergren who is the red-haired woman from last night um one of the people that many people that were flirting with Geralt's because Hen Gedimadeth, the really old Merlin-esque mm-hmm. sorcerer, is dying. Yeah. He had a heart attack. Yep. And between all the confusion and everything that's going on, there's no one to help. Yep. Philippa Eilhart comes in mm-hmm. at this point, and Geralt knows this because he smells her. Yeah, yeah. But he notes that her general scent of muskroot and cinnamon is also mixed with baking soda now. Mm-hmm. Philippa is clearly the ringleader here. She's giving orders. Mm-hmm. She's saying, go find Dorgray, like find out where he's at and take him to the magical chamber. And everyone's like, what do we need to find him for? 
And she says, well, they're representing their kings and we'll be giving reports back. We want everyone to be in the room when we're having this council. Um, To say it, Rai is also here and she's clearly not happy with how things are going down, with Mm -hmm. how the allies are pulling people out of their beds and arresting them. It seems like she thinks that the allies are in the wrong here. Yep, yep. Um, She's arguing back and forth with Philippa. Geralt hears her gown dragging on the floor and Mm -hmm. realizes that she's not wearing the same uniform as the others. So she's not Mm -hmm. really in their pot, so to speak. Yeah, yep. She turns to Geralt and they explain, oh, he can't see anything or anyone. Mm -hmm. Like, Triss blinded him. Mm -hmm. And uh, Philippa says, like, be grateful for Triss. It was a soft spell. Your sight will return soon. Mm Mm-hmm. And you didn't see anything you weren't supposed to. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we don't have to kill you. But, yeah. Which, I, it's weird, because, like, I'm trying to think about, like, I don't know what he would have seen that he, what would it, what he could have seen that would have been worse than what he had already seen. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that right now, actually, because in the hallway, um, there's someone else being dragged along. Mm-hmm. And Tasea is very upset about this and is mm-hmm. saying, like, Philippa, you've arrested Francesca Findebear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, she is one of the longest serving sorceresses. Mm-hmm. She's very mm-hmm. powerful, very well respected. Yep, yep. And uh, Philippa is like, don't you get it? Like, she has been promised something by Nilfgaard. Like, mm-hmm. she has everything to gain. Mm-hmm. And, like, Tasea is like, tell her. Francesca, tell her that you're not in bed with Nilfgaard. Defend yourself. And mm-hmm. she just says in Elvin something about like, you know... I don't have anything to say to you filthy humans. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And the word for humans in Elvin is doin. Mm-hmm. That's the word mm-hmm. you hear over and over. Yeah. And Philippa turns to, to Saya and is like, see, that's exactly what she thinks of everyone that's a human. Mm-hmm. We're doin to her. Yeah. Dijkstra asks Philippa, was the expected item found on Vilgefortz? And Philippa is like, yes. And she hands him over a list. And it turns out to be a list of traitors, a mm-hmm. list of people that are loyal to Vilgefortz slash Nilfgaard. Yep. Yeah. And so Dijkstra is like, oh, this is great. And he like reads the list and mm-hmm. he starts reading. And Philippa is like, Shh, you don't want Geralt to hear. You don't want anyone else to hear. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Dijkstra is like, sure, sure. And Philippa says, don't be too hasty in starting these executions. Mm, you mm. don't want to tip off everyone that this is going on. Yeah. Yep. And Dijkstra is like, don't worry. I'm going to make them my informants. Mm-hmm. Whether, I have bigger plans for them. Whether they realize it or not. Yeah. And uh, Dijkstra is like, hey, um, can I get those other lists? I'd love to see mm-hmm. like who's disloyal and Tamaria and Cadewin and mm-hmm. Adern. Mm-hmm. And Philippa is like, They've been given to the proper authorities. Like, I'm not going to involve you in that. Uh, yeah, basically. you only care about Redania. You deal with Redania stuff. Let the others deal with Tamaria and... Other countries. Other countries. <laughs> the other less important countries. Dijkstra is taking Geralt somewhere else now. Um, and so uh, he asks Philippa to restore Geralt's sight so he can see and doesn't trip over the stairs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... Dijkstra um, takes him through like the hall where they had the banquet last night mm-hmm. and everyone's still carrying on like nothing's happening. They're yeah. eating yep. and talking and chatting and some of them are making out in corners and 
Deekstra yeah. is like, oh, that's really funny. Like, they don't have any clue, like, what's going on. Yeah. And, like, yeah. this is all happening right under their noses while they're enjoying themselves. Um, he also informs Geralt, we're heading to Loxia. Mm. Um, and I need you because I, of course, am trying to get Siri too. I mm. want to take her back to Tredegor and back to Renania. Yeah, yeah. And the only reason I need you is because the headmistress, Margarita Loantiel, won't give me Siri. She won't hand mm-hmm. her over. I need you because she'll hand her over to you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Geralt asks, like, does Philippa know what you're planning? And Deekstra's like, no, mm. of course not. Yeah, yeah. I don't care what the sorcerers have to say. I'm working for my own gain. Mm-hmm. So Geralt kind of casually like leans down. There's a water fountain there. Takes his time getting a sip of water. And then like comes up swinging. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is able to like rip this instrument of like it's what is it called? It's like the three prong thing that they had. It's uh, so they keep talking about these these weapons that um, that the uh, that the Redanian soldiers have. Um, the and they they use a word to describe them that I've never heard before. But it's it, what in the description it's basically it's a trident. Um, like it's a it's a it's the you know the three prong. It's a pitchfork kind of thing. Um, it's got some hooks on the end for like re- restraining people. Um, it's not just like a stab and kill type thing. It's also like kind of a riot control type weapon. It seems like. Yeah. Geralt's able to grab that, um, Mm -hmm. kind of rip it in two Mm -hmm. and use part of it as a sword. Yeah. He basically, he basically like takes one. So like I said, it's basically a pitchfork. Um, he grabs or trident, he grabs it and snaps it in half and then starts using like one one sword as just like a, a club uses the handle basically so Geralt is able to make quick work of the redanian guards mm-hmm. um they're trying to grab him he's too fast of mm-hmm. course he's got those witcher reflexes and yep, they're all yep. in heavy armor yeah Dijkstra grabs Geralt's foot and mm-hmm. then Geralt stomps on Dijkstra's ankle mm-hmm. and he is able to launch him into one of the gargoyles mm-hmm. and really beat him up honestly it's amazing for Dijkstra who weighs probably 300 plus pounds yeah yeah as Geralt is fighting the guards Dandelion has now approached and is like Geralt Siri's gone <laughs> And like Geralt's like, wow, I told you to leg it if anything happened. And you were like 30 minutes late. Like, what's happening? Dude, shut up. Dandelion's like, I know, but it took a long time to run here. Mm -hmm. Um, And Geralt's like, okay, did you like at least bring my swords? Mm -hmm. And Dandelion hands them. And he's like, one of these is Siri's sword, you Mm -hmm. idiot. Dandelion is like, stop hitting them, Geralt. Like, we're going to get in trouble. Like, That's treason. You're hitting a bunch of Redanian guards. Geralt is able to get the upper hand on Dijkstra, um, who promises, you'll all hang for this. Mm-hmm. I've got 50 men coming in from mm-hmm. the sea as backup. Yep. I'll hunt you down forever. And uh, Geralt is like, just curious, is there a barber surgeon among them? Mm-hmm. And Dijkstra is like, stumped by this question and Geralt reaches down grabs his ankle and then twists it yep. and shatters it yeah it's rough like yep. <laughs> this hurts even thinking about yeah, it yeah it's, it's a pretty br- brutal section to read 
So Geralt is trying to find Yennefer. Throughout this whole scene, he's constantly asking, where's Yennefer? Like, Mm -hmm. Yennefer has not been dragged down amongst the traitors, at least that he's seen. He hasn't heard anyone talking about her. And Dijkstra even makes fun of him for being obsessed. Mm -hmm. His first stop is back to the room where they spent the night together. Mm -hmm. And there's no Yennefer. And her dress is draped over one of the chairs and he doesn't know if that's because she was dragged out with no clothes or if she changed into a rebel uniform. Yeah. Yep. So Geralt doesn't even know where Yen's alliances lie in all this either. And Dijkstra has put some doubt because Mm -hmm. he's like, well, the only people that were sleeping are in bed with Nilfgaard. So he stumbles across Marty Soderin, Mm -hmm. who's the healer from the party last night. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's crying in the hallway. Mm-hmm. And he immediately is like, do you know where Yennefer is? And she's like, I just witnessed the death of Hen Gedimedeth. There was yeah. nothing I could do. Like The, old, the oldest sorcerer alive who's famous throughout the world. Um, and I, he had a heart attack and I couldn't do anything for him. On top of that, like my friend Sabrina hit me in the face. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't understand what's happening. Like I just woke up. Why is everybody being mean to me? (laughs) And like Geralt really has like a one track mind. He's like, yeah, that's like cool and everything. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. like, I need to find Yennefer. Like what's the fastest way to Garstang? which is the place where all of the sorcerers and sorceresses are gathering Mm -hmm. with the traitors. Mm -hmm. And so it cuts to Geralt on this mountainy pass that's pretty treacherous. Mm -hmm. And he's going through, like, the illusion is breaking, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. because of all the magic in flux here yeah like he can see the holes in the illusion and he doesn't even know if where he's stepping is an illusion or not yeah which is terrifying yeah as he's going across this very narrow like indiana jones-esque like hanging bridge Mm -hmm. another sorcerer like runs into him Mm -hmm. and he recognizes it as door gray yep our PETA guy um, yeah yeah who is also neutral because he represents King Ethane of Sedaris. And mm-hmm. he's like, Geralt, like, what are you doing here? And he's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Geralt's like, I'm trying to get into Garstang. And Dorgray's like, no, like, you can't go in there. It's you don't want to go in there. I just escape with my life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I barely survived getting out of there. People are brutal in there. Philippa is yelling at us. Mm-hmm. Like, things are popping off. People are being mean to me. And on top of all of that, there is some te And then, like, he is shot with an arrow mm-hmm. like in the back and like yep. Geralt is able to kind of use him as a human shield a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so he passes out um, and another sorcerer comes running up and he's like, is, is Orgre okay? Like mm-hmm. he looks pretty dead. Yeah. Um, but like Geralt's like, I think he's still alive. And um, they, they drag him off of the path of immediate danger after Geralt takes care of the Squayatel. And Marty Sodegren, who has just witnessed had mm-hmm. Gedimedeth's death and is dealing with a lot of trauma, mm-hmm. is now trying to save Dor Gray, who has a punctured lung, mm-hmm. not in the greatest of shape. And, like, Geralt is still like, I got to get to Garsing. Um, and the other sorcerer is refusing to help her teleport because, as we covered earlier, mm-hmm. it is really 
not possible to teleport here because the magic of the Tower of Gulls, mm-hmm. Tor Lara interferes with it. Yeah. So yeah. Marty is like, I don't know. I can't like drag him down on my own. Yeah. Yep. But both of them decide to leave. Like first that one sorcerer and now Geralt and mm-hmm. Marty and Dorgray are just left alone. Yeah. So we don't really know what happens to them. So Geralt runs toward Garstang mm-hmm. and he's climbing up. He's like free climbing up the mountain mm-hmm. that um, leads to Garstang and Kira Metz lands on his head. Yeah. Yep. And like she, they tumble into a bush <laughs> and uh, like Kira's like Geralt's. Like, what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> what's happening? And he's like, I'm trying to get in there. And Kira's like, I was just thrown out of there. <laughs> like our Todd Terranova, like literally burst me through. Threw a me out of a window. Um, and Gerald's like, well, I have to find Yennefer. And Kira's like, I wish someone would love me like that. <laughs> I wish somebody would come for me like that. Must um, be nice. And Gerald's is like, can you show me a way in? And Kira's like, yeah, carry me and I'll show you a way in. Mm-hmm. By the way, I've got like a bunch of injuries and several broken ribs, a uh, broken leg. Um, I, I'm pretty beat up. She's like, did you know that you still smell of her perfume? <laughs> Which is just an interesting comment. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. So apparently, Kira says, there's this huge cavern below the Ned, mm-hmm. um, which is where um, these Scoia'tael are coming from. Yep, yep. And this is news to Geralt and news to everyone. So, like, if you knew how to steer a ship into it, like, mm-hmm. you have to have knowledge of it, but you could do it. But you could sail a ship into these caverns so underneath Terra or uh, underneath. The Ned. The Ned. Thank you. <laughs> so um, it's clear that it's someone with knowledge mm-hmm. and it's not the allies. This was like, an inside job. Yep. So who is it? Yep. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Have to think really hard on yep. that one. Um, Kira is like revealing like what happened in mm-hmm. her experience. So to say to rise, set off a bomb. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the traitors were all dragged to Garstang. Yep. And it was like Kira, Philippa, Triss, all of the ally mm-hmm. magicians against the traitors, which is our Todd Terranova, Francesca mm-hmm. Finnebear, Vilgefortz, mm-hmm. um, who is accused to be the ringleader. Yep. Yep. And Tisea, who thinks this is like a disgrace Mm -hmm. that these people are not really traitors that can't we all just get along how dare you bring politics into this you we are supposed to be above the politicians despite the fact that we work on their councils you know we're we're supposed to be serving the interest the interest of magic users we're not we're supposed to be apolitical she decides to stir the pot so what resulted is she let them out of their shackles and Mm -hmm. then Vilgefortz and his side went after the allies. There was a trap door in the chamber that they were able to open up into the basement, which had access from the, the chambers, and a whole bunch of Squiatel came in and raided the raided the magic chamber. 
Among them were a man with a horrifying scar on his face, mm, mm-hmm. as well as a man with a helmet with birds on it. Yep, yep, in black armor. Sounds familiar. Um, and like Geralt is like, you know, like I need to get in there. Like I, I need to like go. And Kira is mm. like, well, listen, because the story it gets, concerns Yennefer. It, it goes further. Um. So she goes through what exactly happened about this confrontation within the chamber, um, about Desaia saying the interests of our kings don't need to reflect on our own interests. Mm-hmm. Like, can't all magicians band together and get along? They're, they're talking about Amir remembers the events at Sodden, mm-hmm. and he's seen it fit to remove the sorcerers and sorceresses at the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. Like, so instead of um, like risking it, he wants to just take all of these pawns off the board. Yeah. Yep. On top of all of that, it's Vilgefortz, the hero of Sodden that mm-hmm. sold us mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, he's been promised ruling over the people of Nilfgaard. Mm-hmm, like he's mm-hmm. been promised a position of power. Yep. Yep. Um, and so have all the other traders, by the way, they all have something mm-hmm, to gain out mm-hmm. of this. Um, Francesca was promised uh, free land for her free elf friends. Like um, she was basically promised the equivalent of like a Palestinian nation. Yes. Yep. Um, and so, it's Philippa who's saying all of this, by the way, of course, because mm-hmm. she's the ringleader of the ally magicians. Mm-hmm. And Tosea says, like, you've broken the unity and solidarity of the brotherhood of the council by handcuffing members. Mm-hmm. Like, you mm-hmm. put them in chains. Yeah, yeah. You're you're the bad guys here. And, like, Geralt interrupts and is like, I thought you were going to, like, tell me about Yennefer. Kira is like, I'm getting to that. Just give me a minute. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says... Everything was going well until Yennefer shows up with this mm-hmm. young girl mm-hmm. with flaxen hair. Mm-hmm. She's a young medium. She has big green eyes. Hmm. And she begins to speak in a trance. And mm-hmm. in a trance, no one lies. Yes. Um, she says that Nilfgaardian forces have entered Tamaria, that King Vizimir was murdered in his sleep last night. Mm-hmm. And Philip is like, wait. Don't listen to this medium. She speaks lies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, don't believe her. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. And uh, like to say is like, let her speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and she continues to say that um, the forces led by Demavend of Adern and uh, Queen Meave have started this skirmish on the borders of Dolangra, which is confusing to everyone because we know that um, King Vizimir had ordered them not to. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. for us, the people the that actually have been in on it, readers, will realize they never got that, that message. message was never delivered. Mm-hmm. But Philippa is very confused by all of this. This is not going according to plan. Mm-hmm. To say is like, enough. I've heard enough. And she lifts the blockade. And this is the moment where everything the magic, The shit. magic buffering in the room. She basically turns off the magic shields. Everyone goes at each other. Um, Vilgefortz opens the basement, lets the Squayatel in, mm-hmm. lets the guy mm-hmm. with the winged Nilfgaardian helmet in, mm-hmm. um, and the guy with the mark on his face who can cast spells. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of people were hurt, including Triss. Mm-hmm. Um, 
lots of people we don't really care about on both sides. Yeah, yep. And there were casualties. Um, Taseya almost immediately regretted her decision. Mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. was like, oh, this is bad. Yeah, yep. Maybe they are the baddies. Yeah. And um, it's too late, though. There's nothing to do at this point. So Geralt is telling Kira at this point, like, you're really injured. It's not just your leg, which you think is broken. Mm -hmm. It's also that you have some broken ribs. Like, I'll have to leave you for now, but Mm -hmm. I'll come back. And Kira's like, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. And so um, we cut to Siri that is in the chamber um, with Yennefer. She comes to... Mm -hmm. Wakes up. Everything is like fire. Everything like, is on fire. People on are fire. fighting. People are There's fighting. Yelling and screaming. And she sees um, this elf dead in front of her with like a dagger in his heart, mm-hmm. and turns to Yennefer, and Yennefer says, "Like, you see that? Like, I had to protect us. Like, I had to protect mm-hmm. you. I did what I had to do." She she turns to Siri and is like, "Oh, hey, you're awake. <laughs> you are out for a long time." Um, Siri says, "Like I said things to them, but I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't want to say those things. I literally couldn't help it. It was yeah. like I was outside of my own body." Yeah. Yennefer says, "I made a mistake, my ugly one," and mm-hmm. they run towards um like a stairwell Mm -hmm. and Yennefer says like Siri take those stairs you have to go you have to go down them there's a single saddled horse take it it knows the way to Loxia Mm -hmm. Margarita will take care of you you'll be safe I love you my daughter and Siri is like you're leaving me like you're seriously setting me out on my own and Yennefer's like there's no other option I have to stay here we don't know why, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but Siri has to continue with this alone. Yen is just kind of like, yeah, good luck. Have fun. So Siri runs away, but she quickly runs into obstacles. She gets trapped mm-hmm. halfway down the stairs and she's being cornered um, and she's being chased by Rhines and company. Mm-hmm. And she is at a dead end. There is a window and there's a very, very tiny like uh, ledge that she can jump off of very far away. Mm-hmm. And Siri is thinking, like, this reminds me of Caremore, and I did this a lot at Caremore, but this mm-hmm. is a lot scarier and a lot further down, yep. and that, that, I don't know how I feel about it. That ledge is probably is looks to be wider than the seesaw at Caremore, and the ledge looks to be about four or five feet wide. The 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 seesaw at Caremore is only two to three feet wide, but the seesaw is also not four hundred feet up in the air. <laughs> so Siri's like, "Fuck it, I can't let myself be caught by them." Mm-hmm. She lands on it mm-hmm. perfectly. Mm-hmm. She sticks the landing and she turns back to them and a girl after my own heart, she flips them off. Mm-hmm. And um, she gets to the other side of the bridge the mm-hmm. same, and, and realizes that um, part of it has been, um, well, it was destroyed mm-hmm. completely once um, Geralt had gotten to the other side with Dorgray. Mm-hmm. And she's confronted by um, our Todd Terranova, mm-hmm. who tells her, like, I'm not afraid of little birds. Like, tell me, fake medium, should I be? Mm-hmm. And, like, Siri is like, yeah, yeah you should, you should be. be. <laughs> um, and 
are taught is like, I'm going to take you for my own. Like, why should it be like Vilgefortz that gets you? I'm going to take you directly to Amir and give mm-hmm. you as a present. Mm-hmm. And almost as if on cue, um, a owl drives their talons into Artod's face. Mm-hmm. And then Geralt, for good measure, who's right behind him, sticks his like sword mm-hmm. into him. And mm-hmm. he's real dead real quick. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, like, Geralt and Siri reunite very briefly. And mm-hmm. she's like, Geralt! And Geralt's like, we have no time. We, we literally no, no. have no time. <laughs> nope. No time for emotions. Come on, let's go. And, uh, like, they see that Philippa's on the wall. She's, like, dirty, blood-covered. Mm-hmm. She's the owl lady. Mm-hmm. She's like, get out of here. Yeah. And uh, she's like, I couldn't deliver you Ryan Scarlet, but I deliver my promises. I'm giving you something better. I'm giving you her. Mm-hmm. Now run. Um, and Geralt hands her her sword. Mm-hmm. And she, well, Siri asks for her sword. Mm-hmm. He like hands it to her with some hesitation. Mm-hmm. He looks at her really strangely, like a look that Siri has never seen him give before. Mm-hmm. And... He says, if I give you this now, you might have to kill with it. Are you Mm -hmm. prepared for that? And Siri says, I don't know. Yep. And so he says, take your sword, run, don't look back. And she's like, Mm -hmm. don't tell me, you're leaving me too. Mm -hmm. And Geralt's like, I'll be right behind you. So Siri is now running from what she knows now is the Black Knight from her nightmares Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with the winged helmet. And she is leaping over a hedge into a fountain and realizes there's no way out of here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the horse that the knight is on mm-hmm. um, in trying to jump over the hedge slips and drops the knight. And now the knight is running after her on foot. Yeah. And he corners her and Siri tells him, you will not touch me ever again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he says somewhat hesitantly, I have to. I'm carrying out orders. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Series Witcher training reflexes kick in. She's able to automatically sort of fight him. Yeah. Yep. And um, mm-hmm. she's like fighting with a lot of fury. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she knocks off his helmet. As she knocks off his helmet, she sees his face. And mm-hmm. she doesn't see the scary nightmare. Yeah. Like she doesn't see the man that's been in her like constant night terror. She sees a young, terrified man Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and she can't do it. Yep. And she just leaves. Siri has heard the Scoia'tael. She knows she has to flee. She knows she has to be fast. She takes the the horse that... That the Black Knight had dropped. The Black Knight had dropped. Well, I mean, the horse dropped him, but... Rides away. This man who's very stunned that Mm -hmm. she decided to like not kill him... Mm -hmm is then almost immediately approached by Geralt, a white-haired witcher. Yep. And um, we learn that this man's name is Cahir Maur Driffin Ape Kaelic. That sounds pretty elvish. It's Nilfgaardian. Oh, okay. So Cahir um, is approached by a white-haired witcher, and mm. he notes that while Siri fought like a mother cat protecting her kittens, mm-hmm. he fights like a Zeracanian tiger. Mm-hmm. 
and Geralt quickly gets the better of him and gets him on his knees mm. and he's about ready to kill him and finish him off and Kay here says don't kill me please mm. and Geralt's like give me one reason why not mm-hmm. and he says I was the one that got Siri out of Sintra mm-hmm. plot twist mm-hmm. He yeah. was the one that rescued her. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a little bit of a a little bit of a M Night Shyamalan plot twist here, but also good. When he opens his eyes after blinking, Geralt's just gone. Mm-hmm. What happened to him? He just left. He decided <laughs> he was probably he de- he deserved one. So um, Geralt is riding after Ciri, and he sees her horse fall. Mm-hmm. He sees the Squayatel on the road. Um, who have not noticed Siri or Geralt, but mm-hmm, they're swarming. Mm-hmm. They're all around. Yes. And it doesn't seem like there's any way mm-hmm. out of Eretusa right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and Geralt is following the road. He sees that instead of Siri like going on the way out of Eretusa because of all of the men that are blocking her, mm-hmm. she instead rode toward this tower. Mm-hmm. And it's that tower that they've been seeing around, this Mm -hmm. Mm ominous-looking, like, area. And Geralt is riding after her when he's approached by Vilgefortz. Mm -hmm. Greetings, Witcher! (laughs) Um, Vilgefortz almost immediately begins monologuing. Yeah, a lot. You have no power here. Hang on, hang on. You have no power here, Witcher! Um, Come join me. Yes. Let us take the girl together. Right. So Siri ran into the tower. He is going in after her, and Geralt is like, Vilgefort says, "There's only one way out, the one we're standing in front of." Geralt says, "No way out of the tower. Good. That means there's only one way in." And I'm blocking it. And Vilgefort is like, "Wait, we could just." drop this right now we could join forces she will come willingly to you witcher join the victors spit on the losers Geralt tells him amir is only using you i wonder what he's going to do with you when you report that siri got away and he says like i know your philosophy you think death is nothing this is Going back to the mm-hmm. monologue he mm-hmm. gave last the, the chapter. The other long monologue. Where he said, death is meaningless if all of us are equal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you really don't care about other people, do you? I know about Lydia. Mm-hmm. I know you were the one that stabbed Lydia. Ooh. Ooh. And why did you do it? Vogelforce is getting mad. I think I know. I think I know why you did it. Mm-hmm. Because you needed time. Mm-hmm. You needed time to have this way tell come in. You mm-hmm. needed time to prepare. Mm-hmm. Everyone thought that you were like doing this slow takeover of power. Mm-hmm. You were just planning your opposite coup. Mm-hmm. Like you were mm-hmm. planning this the whole time. So you needed a distraction mm-hmm. and you use Lydia for your own ends. Yeah. Like, so if you use Lydia, I know you want to li- use Siri. Yeah. If you use Lydia, I know you want to use Siri. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to let you take her. No. I'm not going to join no. you. I know what you're about, son. Mm-hmm. Vilgefortz is like, very well. 
and conjures a... Then you have chosen death. <laughs> and conjures this large magical staff. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks like a normal staff. You have in your notes a large staff. Yeah, it's a large, normal staff. Looking. Large, normal-looking okay. staff. Vilgefortz conjures a large, normal-looking staff. <laughs> and <laughs> Geralt immediately springs into action. He hits the staff with his sword. It's of a magical metal. Mm-hmm. Um, it aside to weeks later, Geralt um, was recovering mm-hmm. in Brokelon. Yeah. And he wonders over and over, is there anything I could have done differently? Mm-hmm. Is there anything that would have let me get the upper hand? Mm-hmm. And he realized there's only one thing he could have done differently. Mm-hmm. The only thing he could have done differently is to not fight him at all. Mm-hmm. So, Every every single um, blow, mm-hmm. he tries to get Vilgefortz in the neck, mm-hmm. in the back, in the foot, mm-hmm. in the head. Mm-hmm. It all gets parried. Every mm-hmm. single one. Yep. It's like a very annoying video game boss. Like yes. Every single every thing is parried. Every single thing is parried. And he's getting the, the wind kicked out of him. Yeah. He is tired. Mm-hmm. He's running into a brick wall. Mm-hmm. And Vilgefortz is just able to hit him repeatedly. Yep. And this this staff is like, it's indestructible, basically. Geralt, like, he's parrying it with this, it looks like a wooden staff. And apparently, so Witcher swords are very well known for their quality and their lightness and their ability to cut through most armor. Vilgefortz's staff is just stopping it. Yes, he can't get a single hit in, mm-hmm. but Vilgefortz is able to turn the tides very easily in mm-hmm. his favor. He hits Geralt, knocks the breath out of him, mm-hmm. even cuts his sword in two. Yep. This is steel. I mean, this is this is like a pretty a- as I said, sword. They're very well known for their well-crafted swords and having, you know, fine quality weapons that can cut through most armor and most magical beasts. And he just snaps the sword in two. Geralt thinks like there's nothing human about him. Mm-hmm. And he slowly starts to understand something. Mm-hmm. Um, as we the reader do as well. So Vilgefortz then gets Geralt, breaks his femur. Like shatters, shatters his it. femur. Um, so for a quick reference aside, uh, the human femur is roughly equivalent to the hardness of concrete. Um, it is a very, very difficult, very difficult bone to break. Um, I'm talking like people who like survive skydiving accidents um, with like completely shattered legs. Their femurs are usually intact um, because they, it is such a hard bone to break. And he just kind of shatters it. Um, it's also a very, very long recovery because there's a lot of muscle tissue around it that's attached to it. Um, a lot of your red blood cell production occurs in your femurs. Um, there's a lot of major arteries that go right right along near it. Um, having a broken femur is a big deal. If it happens, and it sometimes happens in like car crashes and stuff like that, um, it's like a six to eight month recovery period where people usually have to like learn how to walk again kind of thing. Yeah, so... Not only that, but Vilgefortz, like, 
knocks him out. Mm-hmm. Like he hits him in the head. He he. Uh, Geralt starts bleeding from the nose. Um, also not a good sign, <laughs> just generally. So he just blacks out. Mm-hmm. And when he comes to, everything's in chaos. Like everything's still mm-hmm. on fire. Um, Triss is there. Mm-hmm. And um, she's like dragging him to safety. Mm-hmm. Like she's like, I'm not leaving you. Yeah, yeah. And this is one time that Triss's obsessive love for Gerald yeah. really comes in <laughs> really handy. Plays, like, really comes in handy. <laughs> hey, I know I like spurned your love a whole bunch of times and kind of like uh, backburnered you a bunch. I can't really walk. Can you get me out of the battlefield? <laughs> Yeah, so he's, like, in and out of consciousness, Mm -hmm. and, like, Triss and the other sorceresses and sorcerers are talking about the Tower of Gulls was completely destroyed. Mm -hmm. The portal was destroyed. We have no idea what happened. Mm -hmm. It's just gone. Like, it's wiped off the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. And to say it, a rise is there. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. Triss is, like, begging her, like, I need your help. Mm -hmm. Like... Look at what you've done tonight. You've unleashed this chaos. Mm -hmm. Geralt needs help. I can't leave him. Mm -hmm. I don't have any strength left to open a portal. I have expended all my mana. Mm -hmm. I have zero MP left. (laughs) Please help. Yes. And Tisea relents and says, I shall help you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tisea did lecture her a little bit and say, like, all you terrible people on both sides who you know allied with your 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 uh your heads of state and brought politics into a neutral location you're all really the 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 bad guys here but yeah i'll help you yeah yeah and that that is how chapter four Mm -hmm. of time of contempt ends that is a wild ride and a lot happened like i said (laughs) um yeah, so that's, yep. Um, anybody need a quick breather? Yeah. Just take a second here. A lot of tension there. A lot of tension. That summary was hard to do. There was, was a lot going on. There was a lot going on. It was really hard to, t- I, so normally my notes on most chapters usually hit like a hundred lines. Um, this chapter was at like 350. Was this in line with your expectations? Like, was it, was it bigger than you expected? Was it? So it was bigger than I expected. Um, but also kind of exactly what I expected. You know what I mean? Um, it was bigger in that I wasn't expecting quite a large scale, like whole, like shot heard round the world type, like you know, mover and shaker type event. Um, I was expecting more of just like a, like small localized attack. We're going to kill a bunch of sorcerers and sorceresses kind of thing. I was expecting more of a, um, like the dwarf caravan type, type uh, situation and not necessarily like a, this is the start of the war. (laughs) Like, and this really has long ranging consequences mm -hmm. because Everyone who was in the chapter is now at odds. I Mm -hmm. mean, like, not everyone, but, like, it's two factions. Mm -hmm. And you want to talk about unity and, like, division? Like, 
these people are divided and there's no bridging this gap. Yeah, there's definitely been some battle lines drawn. So are you ready to have a nightcap with our uh, with our summary there? Yes. Yeah. Ready. Okay. So today we are drinking Trial by Wombat. You've been wanting to do this one forever. I have. We I we saw this in the grocery store probably close to three months ago, four months ago. And I have been dying to find something to, to do this beer with um, because it's a ridiculous name and I love it. Um, and it's got this wild picture of a close up of the face of a wombat on the front of it. Um, and it's hilarious. Um, I also found out, so it is by Thin Man Brewery. Um, I also found out uh, like two months after I saw it and was excited and wanted to do it, um, they released a beer called Pills Mafia. (laughs) And I figured out that they are from Buffalo. Um, And so Pills Mafia being a a play on the Bills Mafia, which are uh, people who are fans of the Buffalo Bill football team. Um, pills also being a shortening for a pilsner. It was a pilsner for the pil- mafia. The, the pills mafia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so this is a an IPA uh, with uh, made with Galaxy hops, uh, according to the according to the uh, the, the can. Um, it is seven percent ABV, um, and it comes in a tall boy too. So this might be kind of interesting. We're gonna we're gonna have some cans here. Um, but they are located at 166 Chandler Street in Buffalo, New York, 14207. I used to live in that zip code too. Wow. So this is just like a Buffalo. Oh, yes, it is. It really is. Um, so let me see. I would, I might actually have to look up that address and see how close it was to one of my old apartments. So depending on what part of the city it's in. So let me see. We're gonna have to open this up here, and it's gonna be gonna be that can crack tonight. So this what? is this is one of my finds as well. Why did you pick this one for this chapter? So I picked it for this chapter. We had a couple of other really good ones that actually fit pretty well. Um, that I think we might have some application later in the books. Um, that we're gonna we're gonna kind of put up our sleeve a little bit. Um, but I chose this one because well, I mean, there's just a ton of combat. Um, I mean, there's a big long fight scene at the end between Geralt and Volgaforts. Um, so yeah, I mean, it kind of, it kind of fits. Like we haven't really had any like trial by combat scenes in it. This isn't game of Thrones and that every character is demanding trial by combat every chapter. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I didn't think that would keep working, but anyways, uh, so yeah, I was kind of waiting for more of a chapter like that, but I think this fits really well anyways, because Geralt does get pretty well messed up there was another another beer that we we uh, we found called bell ringer um that i thought was pretty appropriate because Geralt really gets his bell rung (laughs) but um i wanted to go with something less esoteric yeah that was a little bit of a a little bit of a stretch um we also for the reference we we have a tendency to spend upwards of like an hour in the grocery store like beer and wine section just trying to find like the perfect thing and i really don't think people care as much as we do but no like like, (laughs) it's a very fun exercise yeah and that's why i give you the time code so you can skip ahead if you Mm -hmm, want mm -hmm. because it's something we like to do yeah it have to be something you want to listen to but if you do cool 
Yeah, yeah, we and it's interesting because we could probably just throw like, oh, we're drinking red wine tonight, and I think most people would probably be interested in our notes on whatever it was. But we 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 try and go above and beyond for our our listeners who are wonderful, and try and match things perfectly to the chapter. But sometimes it's sometimes it fits better than others. Sometimes we, <laughs> we just want to have fun with it. That yeah, trial by wombat. Trial by wombat. <laughs> it's just really fun to say. All right, so let's crack these cold boys and uh, and have some fun here. Also, I would like to point out that we are currently it is currently uh, like one o'clock in the afternoon. Um, you because don't have we, to spill all of I, our secrets. I'm I'm spilling a little bit of dirty laundry on this one, <laughs> just because we we got a real we got real busy this week, and so we we kind of had to cram the recording in. And uh, we're doing this with a lot of time to spare, and we never do things last minute. No, we never do anything last minute. <laughs> not whatsoever we have such chaotic energy so yeah i mean that's kind of always been my jam so um yeah so here's to uh two o'clock in the afternoon grip it and rip it baby (sighs) (laughs) i wanted to do a nice one but i guess that doesn't make sense for 2 p.m no you got to get real aggressive with your uh with your 2 p.m energy almost a completely silent pour um so i think this is actually a hazy ipa um because it's pretty it's pretty cloudy actually um yeah i'm not really seeing uh it's it's very hazy but it's not listed as a hazy ipa um so that's kind of that that's kind of interesting um it, it may be unfiltered yeah, it's very like it's very golden. Um the thing I smell the most is pineapple right off the bat. So that tropical fruit vibe. Yep. And if there's a lot of galaxy hops in it, that that's definitely going to be that one. Um I was expecting more of a standard just like traditional IPA IPA, but um this might excite me a little bit more than I realized, so Yeah, I it like smells very much like a tropical drink to me yeah it smells yeah. like a pina colada really um in a really good way um, if you like pina coladas <laughs> basically getting lost yeah. in the rain or no getting caught in the rain if you're not into yoga we, if we, you have that <laughs> we might need to both of us well mostly me we might need to like stop singing on the podcast wow but. so you <laughs> never say that when you yourself sing but when i sing suddenly yep. it's a big issue <laughs> yes it is a terrible issue i was in the choir in elementary school I, i'll have you know okay you sing well i sing for entertainment okay you're a good singer i sing Toss a coin to your witcher. We have a recording of me doing that somewhere that I don't know. Come on, let's do a duet. It's 2 p.m. Come on. Okay, well, you know what? So I guess cheers. (laughs) L'chaim, bitches. L'chaim, bitches. Oh, my gosh. Is that offensive? No. Uh, L'chaim is uh, health in Yiddish. But it's saying L'chaim, bitches. (laughs) I've known a lot of people who have said it, (laughs) so... (laughs) We've been really wily on this episode. I, we got some wily energy today. So, uh, yeah. So, are, are you ready for our duet then? Mm-hmm. So. Ooh. Ooh. Um, 
Hmm. A lot, of, a lot of grapefruit. It's grapefruit, mm-hmm. pineapple, mm-hmm. almost like a butteriness, dare I say, that like you don't so, find in a lot of beer. So like a, a hazy IPA or like a hazy beer, unfiltered beer in general, um, you get a lot of diacetyl in it. You have to do what's called a crash, um, which is basically so when you boil out your when you boil your sugar and your barley and your um, hops into your water into your wort um as soon as it's done seeping and you get all the sugar out of it you have to drop the temperature as quickly as possible um because what will end up happening is that you'll end up getting proteins coming out of the coming out of the grain it's it's Um, butteriness and grapefruit peel to me because like i i very much get that mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. edge of grapefruit but it's not sour it's not bitter so the, those proteins, when they come out of the when they come out of the grain, if the yeast that you then throw in, you then pitch into the wort, um, if the yeast eats that protein, it generates those diacetyls. It generates that butteriness, um, which, when done accidentally, can be very very gross. Um, I've had a couple of ales that I've brewed in the past that I didn't crash properly, and they had like a they have it, it ends up feeling like like buttered popcorn, but in a beer. Yeah. And which can be good if done intentionally, but if not done intentionally, it can be very gross. Um, I think they did that a little bit intentionally here. And a lot of uh, sometimes like unfiltered beers, you'll get that, that they just kind of just toss the yeast in and see what happens. Yeah. So on the first sniff, I smelled a lot of pineapple. I don't taste that as much. I test, I taste like more of the, mm-hmm. more of the citrusy mm-hmm. notes. Yep. Um, it's not, I think it's just very drinkable. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's not, you, you definitely get the hops in there. You definitely get that traditional IPA kick, but it's not, it doesn't taste like lawnmower clippings, mm-hmm, which is our mm-hmm. big thing with IPAs. We don't want it to taste like lawnmower yeah. clippings. We want it to have some complexity of flavor. Yep, yep. Um, we want to be able to taste certain things in it, like mm-hmm, not just mm-hmm. hops. So by that measure, this is a really great IPA in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would guess. So I, we know that it's um, Galaxy. Um, I would guess Galaxy, Citra, and um, Mosaic. Uh, maybe even an Amarillo. Probably Mosaic though. Um, but I'd be I'd be interested. I may have to look it up later on um, and see what the actual hop blend is on it. It's a nice like yeast profile Mm -hmm. i'm like a very big bubbly person Mm -hmm. i love champagnes i love proseccos so this to me almost Mm -hmm. has that sort of mouthfeel yeah uh so a lot of times sometimes uh brewers depending on what they're making will throw like a champagne yeast in it um which tends to do a little bit better at like a higher alcohol content um and tends to produce a lot of carbonation which causes like a very heavy over carbonation in the beer um, I want it more carbonated. Yeah, like which which gives a yeah. super extra fizziness to it. Which, if you're once again, it's one of those things. If you do it intentionally, it can be great. If you do it accidentally, it can be gross. So, I love the extra carbonation. Yeah, it was it was probably like a champagne yeast, or might have just been like a European IPA strain or something like that. Um, I'm not super versed in ale yeasts. Um, so like, yeah, it, it, it doesn't lend a lot of flavor on its own, but it's, it's definitely a little bit there. Those, those esters are in there a little bit. 
so last call, save rounds, alibis. Where yeah. do we start? <laughs> Where do we start? So I think a good place to start is Codringer and Fen. Mm. It's clear that they've found out something about Siri mm-hmm. that's lucrative. Mm-hmm. That's yes. Meaningful. Yep. It has currency. Mm-hmm. What they found out is that Siri is from a long line of women who have like a curse, like mm-hmm. curse blood mm-hmm. and power thereby. Mm-hmm. So she is the descendant of Folke, who is a mm-hmm. reviled woman. Um, so pretend our listeners don't know who Folke is. So Folke... I'm not our listeners in that do, case. You, I'm definitely <laughs> not speaking for them. And I absolutely remember who Folke is. Sorry, go ahead. You don't know... You don't need to know who Folke is at this okay. point. And she's not really even fleshed out. Like, I don't think it's a spoiler to tell you that she's not even really fleshed out mm-hmm. so much overtly. Um, okay. But there is a reading before mm-hmm. one of the chapters mm-hmm. where it's like Folke burn. Like, she is kind of a, like a Salem witch. Oh, okay. Like, she is a she's kind of the lilith she's very hated yeah she's very hated very reviled woman Mm -hmm. but it's not really clear what happened with her Mm -hmm. um just that she was very hated she was very powerful at a time there was the folke rebellion Mm -hmm. which i don't want to reveal too much of now because it starts making sense later Mm -hmm. um but she is just a woman who led a massive rebellion Mm -hmm. was hated in society mm-hmm. and is still sort of spat on. Okay. Um, and the fact that Siri is descended from Folke is quite the revelation because it mm-hmm. was assumed that Folke didn't have any descendants. Yeah, I, I definitely really liked that line where um, I think it was Fen said something or Codringer said something to the effect of like, well, but Folke never had any kids. And Fen was like, ah, but she did. Yeah. And like Fen was. Fen was getting caught in, oh, she didn't have any legitimate children. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, that there, was the There line. was no one that was recorded as like, oh, that's definitely her child. Mm-hmm. So this line of women that Sirius descended from is very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and why becomes apparent later. So we don't need to know much about who Folke is right now. Okay, okay. Um, but we know by context, it's a very important revelation. And mm-hmm. Codringer immediately sees dollar signs. He's yeah, of course, like, yeah wow, this is our golden goose. Like, this is what we've been waiting yeah, for. Yeah, obviously I can turn this into money somehow. Yeah. But, like, yeah. So I'm sure he could. The fact that right before Codringer wants to cash in on this, he's confronted, right before Codringer wants to cash in on this, he's confronted with people who are cutting it short mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. So what did you make of this? Um, I know you probably weren't expecting to lose Codringer and Fen so soon after we are introduced to them. No, I mean, I, well, and, and one of the interesting things is like they do kind of build Codringer up as like a, a Codringer and Fen as like these actually very capable and competent people. Um, we don't see a whole lot of that demonstrated, but it's pretty heavily implied that they're 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 not afraid of many people. Um, to the point where like Codringer didn't even seem to be afraid of these heavily armed dudes that just showed up at his door. Probably didn't seem like the first time that's ever happened. Um, and then, but then that also kind of does show the capability of whoever it is that did murder them. Um, because 
they took out Codringer and Fenn without really even much resistance. Um, so, I yeah, I'm I'm kind of sad to see them gone, but I know for a fact that like it wouldn't have played out long term very well for Geralt if like Codringer and Fenn had figured this out, and then Geralt shows back up and is like, "Hey, so what'd you find?" And they're like, "Well." we just want to know where Siri is um, and we're going to try and like double cross you in some sort of way. And that wouldn't really, that'd be kind of hard to work out from a writing from, from an authorial standpoint, you know? I think what we're seeing through their deaths is that information is super important. It's worth dying it's over. valuable. Yes. Or wor- um, worth killing over more important. So the fact that they know all of this led to their deaths and mm-hmm, also mm-hmm is spurring on what's happening right now with Siri. Everyone mm-hmm. wants to get after her because everyone wants to be the person with this prophecy. Yes. So the power yeah. of knowing about this prophecy is even worth a death. So what you're telling me is that the PBS commercials after school every all the time were correct when they say that knowledge is power? It is. Knowledge is power. Um, Damn it. Why do they have to be right? <laughs> And I think that's that's why this is so interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Through their deaths, we're able to learn a little bit more about the importance of Siri mm-hmm. and this child of the elder blood. It's mm-hmm. not all of it, but it's a very important segment. Um, so the fact that they revealed this stuff is a great plot device, of yeah, course. Yep. Like, so one of the things they say is that Folke was cursed by Laura Doran, mm-hmm. um, who is one of series supposedly one of mm-hmm. series ancestors as well yeah like just last chapter Geralt saw a picture of her and thought he was looking at series yes yeah so her genealogy is a little bit questionable right now but it is mm-hmm. very interesting we're hearing all of this like somewhat conflicting somewhat confusing mm-hmm. like history of Siri but it's also it's almost a mythology of Siri it is which a mythology, is yes. really kind of cool I think it's really cool that we the storytelling is so great here mm-hmm. because we we learn about Siri in this way but he's not revealing everything he's mm-hmm. not revealing mm-hmm. his hand right now and this yeah is, yeah this is the thing Anse does really well is mm-hmm. like he is able to tell a story and reveal the things he wants to reveal yep. in the way he wants to reveal it. He doesn't, he's not going to reveal something just because yes. there has to be a reason. And it's interesting because for all the monologuing that Volgafortz does, he doesn't actually reveal anything important, <laughs> which is maybe more of a commentary on him and just monologuing in general than, than, uh, than anything else because maybe Volgafortz doesn't actually know as much important information as he thinks. Um, but usually in like a lot of other other story arcs, you know, when the villain starts monologuing like that, that's when the exposition occurs <laughs> to the point where it becomes a joke and it becomes a trope. But like that's usually how most authors handle it. Um, yeah. So seeing it very well done in sort of a master, cra- master class in kind of like doling out little tiny like love kernels of (laughs) of storyline that keep you engaged and interested is very very fun to experience yeah like as someone who has written a lot Mm -hmm. um there are a lot of writers where or a lot of books i read where i'm like i could have done this better (laughs) like yes i I don't mean to be i don't mean to be like pompous with that Mm -hmm. but i think any writer who reads something yeah is going to be like Oh, I could have done this better. I 
I'm not even that much of a writer myself. Like I just mostly wrote for college and, you know, in high school and things like that. But like, if I can sit there and say like, I feel like I could handle that better, you know, from a writing standpoint, that's probably not a good thing. And it's not to insult anyone because writing is hard. Oh, it's absolutely. entirely subjective. Mm-hmm. But when I read Anse's writing, it's remarkable. And then I'm like, what is he doing? Where is he going yes, with that? How yes. is he doing that? Mm-hmm. Like it is, he's a great writer. It's genuinely very hard to suss out and you don't always see where it's going. And, and it's, it's not super predictable. And he's also not just a great writer. He's a great storyteller. Yes. Um, yep. Which is more important than being a great writer. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. he has two things. He's yes. good at both things. Yeah, and because you can you can be a great storyteller and then not be able to get it down on paper very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can be a great writer and not have great stories to tell. Right. Like, yeah. Like, I think that having both in the same package is amazing. And this is one of those chapters where that really shines through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the things, so he's great at revealing things that he wants the readers to pay attention to. Mm-hmm, it's kind of mm-hmm. like a magic trick. Yeah. Yes. But look over here. Like I'm, I'm doing this thing over here. Don't pay attention to this yeah, over there. But he misdirects really, really well in that. Like he does that thing. And I heard this great quote a couple of weeks ago from a YouTube channel and I'm going to steal it now. You may not have noticed it, but your brain did. Yes. Um, and I'm using it in much more shitposty type functionality than than that person. But um, in that, like, he'll there'll be there'll be foreshadowing that's all over the place. Like once you know what it's foreshadowing, and you look back on his writing, you're like, how did I not actually piece that together? Um, but like he does draw attention to it, and you do notice it. But you notice it without noticing it. Yeah, I think that's what's great about reading this through a second time mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. like I'm like, oh, I know what he's doing there. Like, yeah, I know, what he's, I know why he's, he's doing. Yep, yep. So one of the the things I wanted to talk about is the fact that Jennifer is almost nowhere in this chapter. That's true. She's not, is she? And her absence, I think, is saying something. Yeah. Like, yeah. So first of all, he doesn't want us to know what's going on with Jennifer mostly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And why is that? And also, um, like, we are left in the dark about what Yennefer feels, what Yennefer's doing, and why she's doing it, and what what her allegiance is. Mm-hmm. So, as someone who has not read further, what is your feeling right now? Um, well, I mean, so that's a that's a really good question um, because realistically, that's all I have right now is just the question of like. What is Yennefer doing? Who is she loyal to? Um, based on her personality and what I know of her in the past, she's probably more loyal to she's probably more loyal to the council, um, in general. Uh, even though she's the allies. No, no, I mean like the actual magical council. The in, chapter. The chapter. That's what I meant. Um, in in the in the way that Tessa Devry is, um, that she she probably more views it as a brotherhood and should still mostly remain apolitical. Um, I think that she is also loyal to anyone. Well, she's loyal to herself mostly, first of all. But recently we have discovered that she is more loyal to anything that benefits and helps Siri. Um, And so she's going to be more loyal to whatever helps Siri and protects Siri the most. Um, Yes. Which is interesting because if if Dijkstra had just not been such a shit 
about his presentation of why he was trying to get to Siri, he probably could have very easily played Geralt like a fiddle. Um, Basically, all he would have had to have said was like, I'm offering Siri and Yen protection because they will be safe in Redania. And they probably mostly would be. Um, they'd probably mostly be safe in Redania in from Nilfgaard because it is essentially like an allied stronghold. Um, from what Dijkstra knows, but as correct. it's revealed <laughs> in the summary, King Vizimir is King dead. King Vizimir is dead. Long live King Vizimir. Um, wait, was he the was he the cool king of Redania or was he the weird like no, bald he was, shithead? He was the, I don't know if he was that cool, but he was better than the bald shithead that takes Radovid, over. Yeah. Ra- Radovid, that that was the guy. Okay, okay, so Vizmir is the cool one, Radovid is the shitty one. Okay, cool, okay. Um, yes, okay, that makes sense, actually. So I, I'm pulling Radovid because we know from the video. I met a gaming a little Witcher bit 3. from the Witcher 3 video yeah, game. so it's really strange because, um, okay, so I, I want to talk about Yennefer first, and then we'll move on to the extract. Absolutely, yeah. Um. But I think it's really interesting that we're really in the dark about Yennefer. Like we're really, mm-hmm. we're in mm-hmm. Geralt's shoes. We don't know yeah. what's happening. Where has she been? What is she doing? Where is she in all this? And Anse is going to keep us in the dark on this. Um, really, the only thing we see of Yennefer is her with Siri. Yeah. Siri also didn't notice what she was wearing, what Yen was wearing. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. um, which is pivotal. So... Siri is taken by Yennefer mm-hmm. into the chamber mm-hmm. and we have a lot of blanks to fill. We don't know mm-hmm. what happens mm-hmm. in between, yep. but we know that Yennefer gets Siri magically mm-hmm. teleports to her. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting because that should have also been interfered with by Torlera, but whatever. Um, Wait, hang on. She, let me follow this. So she has to get Siri magically. So she teleports to her. Or at least that's what we're led to believe. She gets Siri from her bedroom. Okay, but that was, wasn't that just a dream that Siri had? But she literally gets her at some point. She does. So there was. We don't, we don't see how, do we? It doesn't matter because I guess he's not going to tell us, but it seemed like it was a magical. Once again, I didn't notice it, but I noticed it apparently. Um, So we know this about Yennefer, that Yennefer got Siri at some point took Siri to the chamber at Garstang and then mm-hmm. had her medium it up yep, and yep. give all of, you know, really uh, fuel the fire by telling everything that has happened globally, like mm-hmm. that the war has essentially started and that mm-hmm. King Vizmir is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, in consequence, leads to the magical massacre, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think really the only thing we know of Yennefer is that she's sort of guiding this along and then mm-hmm. at the end she protects Siri and tells Siri to run. Yeah. That's yep. really all we have to work off. Yes. Of. Yes. So just the lack of information lets us fill the blanks in, in our head mm-hmm. and it's really going to be, I mean, I don't want to give any spoilers, but there's kind of a long absence of Yennefer. Oh, so, Oh, Okay. We have to ponder this for a long time. Okay. She does a Gandalf. She's gone for a little while. Okay. She's girl Dolph. We get a lot of dad, but not a lot of mom. Okay. 
but mom will come back mom okay. will return mom is off fighting the resistance you know exactly kind of thing i i'm really curious to see your reaction when you find out what she's been up to i am i know it's gonna be something really cool <laughs> like it's gonna be something really cool um so yeah okay well we'll see I mean, there's not really much we can we can go on from here other than, well, Yen's gone. But you so you think that Yennefer is not on anyone's side but series, essentially. Um, yes and no. I think Yen is kind of on the side of from a like societal standpoint. I think she's on the side of whatever is the most stable. Um I don't know that she cares who it benefits, um, but I think she cares most about stability of society um, in terms of siding in that regard. Um, I think in terms of the council, I think she is kind of on the side of the council. Um, I don't think she's necessarily, I don't even remember what court or ruler she is supposed to be assigned to. She, so she is Yennefer of Vengerberg. Mm-hmm. Vengerberg is the capital of Adern. But she doesn't okay. necessarily work just for Demavend of mm-hmm. Adern. She, as has been pointed out multiple times, yeah. is sort of a freelancer. She's a contractor. Mm-hmm. She doesn't work for anyone. She sometimes consults with kings, but she doesn't necessarily work for them. Okay. So Adern is also a pretty small country, Small country, correct? It is Ish. not as big of a force as mm-hmm. Samaria or Rudania, but mm-hmm. it is like a vital part of the ally okay but so she it's small enough and not influential enough that she can kind of skate by and not necessarily pick a side from that regard correct i will say that i think yennefer is more neutral that's what i mean most yeah mages which is probably why her and Geralt get along Mm -hmm. i think she's more loyal to people rather than nations i think that's kind of what i've been trying to hint at and haven't quite been able to articulate. I, I think um, she's very like, if I look at her core value system, the people that she cares about and loves mm-hmm. are number one. And mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter the nation she's serving. Like, yeah. Yeah. She's going to, of course, focus on what's in her best interest mm-hmm. and what's in the best interest of Siri. Yes. And then I think it's Geralt. Like, I think it's Siri. It's, I think it's like Siri, Yennefer, Geralt. I think those are her priorities. Those probably are her priorities. Um, and then probably below that would be like general general stability, general political stability. Um, and maybe more of like a status quo type stability than anything else. But Yeah, I think that Siri has changed her value system mm-hmm. quite a bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's definitely what we can see in this chapter um, is that because in any any prior to this point she while she probably is still more more neutral um she's probably going to be she's probably going to be a little bit more vocal about where she stands would be my guess so um i do want to move on to what Geralt's witnessing and how we're really experiencing the story through him mm-hmm So the first thing, like the major thing that he witnesses is Lydia's death. Mm -hmm. Like she's Mm -hmm. dead. Um, What did you make of this whole scene and the chaos that Geralt is just witnessing? Mm -hmm. Um, Was it surprising to you? 
it was surprising in what was going on. It wasn't surprising that something was going on. Um, because I mean, obviously it's been hinted at for the past, you know, three chapters, but like, um, I am more interested. I am more interested in, I am really, really more interested in how I I know this is going to sound dumb and nerdy, but like, I am more interested in how they got in. Like how How, did, how did they get an entire like assault force into into uh into the school without anyone really noticing um because i mean obviously we know that teleportation is kind of a problem how did they how did they get all those guys in um why was Geralt like well i mean Geralt's medallion might have been vibrating because like the sorcerers were fighting back, but um, I mean that was that was really more my interest in just the nuts and bolts of kind of like how how they made that work, you know, how are they explaining that kind of thing. Um, at this point, we don't really know enough. I also don't really necessarily know. So I know that like Geralt brings up Lydia later on when he's confronting Volgaforts, um, but I didn't necessarily understand why that was such a big thing. Um, I mean, he did sacrifice her and yeah, that's a big thing in general, like of just as an exemplar of him being a shitty person. Um, but I, def- and it, it did seem weird in the way it played out in that no one seemed to actually be doing the stabbing. Um, but she was dead via stabbing somehow. Um, I think that it's a big deal because Lydia was like his closest, like the closest person to him Mm -hmm. like he clearly didn't care that much for her but she was in love with him and she did everything for him Mm -hmm. so the fact that like this woman who was completely devoted to him Mm -hmm. is someone he would be willing to just throw under the bus Mm -hmm. speaks to his character yeah so i think that's why he was drawing a parallel like if this is how you treat people that are close to you of course i don't trust what you're going to do with siri but I think the other thing is that, like, I didn't understand necessarily why he had to sacrifice her. Um, and I think that's more more my question, that I, I'm not necessarily understanding the logistics of it. Um, and maybe maybe we don't know as the viewer or as Geralt, um, we don't necessarily know the nuts and bolts of, like, um, he had to use her as a diversion because they were in the Great Hall together, et cetera, et cetera. And then he had to escape out the back door kind of thing. I think it was a way to fixate people's attention away from him for mm-hmm. a moment. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that by having her dead, it's like, what the hell happened? And it confuses people more yeah. than anything. And so that might even be more of like, even more to illustrate Geralt's point that you only you only needed like a 30 second diversion to just slip out the back door. And you had her sacrifice herself, essentially. Like you you could have like just made some noise off in it or just literally shouted out oh look over there but no you had to have lydia like kill herself violently in front of everyone kind of thing i don't think she killed herself i think he killed her okay okay i mean but the, the even, sad thing about even more it, so to illustrate the point the sad thing about it is that she would have gladly been okay she would have yeah she would have done she would have done it herself if she needed to yeah I think what's really interesting about this chapter is there there are all these factions and like so there's this 
divide like mm-hmm. between like mm-hmm. Philippa, Kira, Triss, mm-hmm. um, and Villefort's Francesca Findebear, mm-hmm. um, Arta, Terranova, some of these sort of ancillary characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like Tissaia, who's like, why are we all fighting? Like, why can't we just all get along? Like, yeah. Yep. So there's all these factions popping up and there's this question. And I think this happens a lot, like even like in our society, mm-hmm. which is like both sides have flaws. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what is your take on this? Are both sides as bad as one another? Or mm-hmm. do you think that one is better in your eyes than another? So, I mean, it depends, you know, it gets down into the nitty gritty of like where you lean and what you feel man's role in society is, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in this case, you know, in any case on the in the side of history, you need to look at the motivations. What are the motivations of each side? Where what are they looking to achieve? Are those things that you align with, et cetera, et cetera? Obviously, no one, no man is perfect and neither are any political factions in any regard what's interesting about it is that it kind of prods at something that's been stoking inside of me lately which Mm -hmm. is this idea of unity Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and we all have to come together and let bygones be bygones Mm -hmm. and i think that is a great concept Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. we want to bridge the divide Mm -hmm. we want to be united like it's not like i don't agree Mm -hmm. in that Mm -hmm. But there is this idea that both sides are bad and equally bad. Yes. And it's not that one side is all bad. It's just that like one side is led by an evil overlord who's Mm -hmm. trying to do all this shit. Yes. And unfortunately, he is one of the big bads. Mm -hmm. Like Mm Vogelforts is a big bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And what he's doing, we don't know. Mm -hmm. But like it's clear he, he isn't up to like rainbow and... Yeah, unicorns yes. over there like <laughs> yes he's not he's not seeking for all men to be equal and have a fair you know a chance at you know success under in in the world he is looking for absolute authoritative control over everyone um and at the end of the day that's that's what he's looking for like he's not looking for kumbaya like let's mm-hmm. all come together mm-hmm. he's looking to take over mm-hmm. everyone yeah and like the thing is i don't like either side here like yeah. it's yeah. not like i'm like philippa mm-hmm. kira like that yep. whole group is not being amazing either like the interesting thing about this is they have like these opposing movements and they both think they're going to be the first to strike mm-hmm and there's these like um it's it's also really interesting as well in that they they both basically decided to try and take the same night as the same opportunity to remove the other side right and so the ally magicians thought mm-hmm. they were getting the upper hand by planning this mm-hmm. they thought they knew mm-hmm. like which means that they planted so Vilgefortz's side planted false intelligence mm-hmm. that they were mm-hmm. planning to do this like slow yeah coup. yeah yeah when in reality they were both planning to strike the same night mm-hmm. he just needed them to have false information yes yep i'm sure this is not how Vilgefortz wanted it to play out yeah of course not but the yep. fact is that they, I don't think both sides are as bad as one another. I think mm-hmm. that the tactics of Philippa's team mm-hmm. 
not great. Like, yeah, it's yeah. leading to a lot of death, a lot of destruction. Mm-hmm. The oldest wizard known to man yeah, is yeah. dead. He's dead. It like there's a lot of casualties. Mm-hmm. Um, but like on one hand, there's that, mm-hmm. and on the other, there's Vilgefortz and mm-hmm. his path of destruction. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying either side is great. I'm mm-hmm. just saying one side is clearly yes not great. One one is very much motivated by control and power, and the other is honestly just counter to that. Like status um, quo. Yeah. Yes. And Anse does a really good job of, and once again praising Anse because yeah, I mean he's just great. Like, but he does a really really fantastic job, and we've kind of experienced this you know, in our own society recently that like that even the sides that you, these very like flawed quote unquote good guys um, that like, yeah, I don't really like Redania. I don't really like the Temerians. I don't really like Philippa and Dijkstra, but I'm kind of on their side for right now because the alternative is Nilfgaard and complete author, authoritarian, Complete authoritarian. Wow. Complete authoritarian. I did it to you. (laughs) Complete authoritative control over over the entire continent kind of thing. Yeah. I think it's interesting because, like, we don't want to be on their side necessarily. Yeah. This this kind of gets to the lesser evil to go back to (laughs) in a very early chapter in The Last Wish. Um, Geralt says, if I'm given the choice between lesser, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm given a choice between one evil and another, mm-hmm. I'm going to choose neither. Yeah. But sometimes you can't not choose. You get Vilgefortz on one side. Yep. <laughs> what are you supposed to do with that? Yep. Like yep. he, you, we don't know what he's planning, but mm-hmm. he's truly planning something. Yeah. And what is it? And I can't be on that side, even by just sitting out mm-hmm. on the, the benches. You yes. Know? Yeah. So after our hashtag too real moment, we we follow Geralt mm-hmm. um, as he discovers that Yennefer is no longer in the room. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. he goes to Garsang mm-hmm. and meets with a bunch of other people. Like what I love about the storytelling of this chapter is that he just encounters a lot of people mm-hmm. who are able to tell parts of the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, we see his conversations with Dijkstra, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about Dijkstra, if we can just do an aside on Dijkstra Absolutely. for a minute. I'm always all about an aside on Dijkstra because he's a very interesting character. It's interesting because he, like, clearly thinks he has the upper hand. You know, he's mm-hmm. got people coming in from Rodania. He's got, like, all mm-hmm. of his men there. Mm-hmm. And he's sort of like undermined by like Philippa. Philippa's mm-hmm. like, I don't need you. Go away. Mm-hmm. Um, like Philippa won't let him have the list of mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. that are not loyal to other countries. Yeah. Like yep. clearly he's a little bit left out here. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is that Dijkstra is feigning this air of knowing everything. But at mm-hmm. the same time, mm-hmm. isn't it so ironic that King he, Vizimir died. He yes. was assassinated when he's here. And Dijkstra didn't know. He did not know. Did not know. So the fact that like Dijkstra is claiming to be in the know about everything and doesn't know this very vital piece of information 
says mm-hmm. that someone has the upper hand on Dijkstra, which is a very scary thought indeed. It is. Well, and so the other thing, too, is that, like, Dijkstra is very much about the fake it till you make it kind of thing. Um, there's a thing in there's a thing in interrogation, essentially, where you present the idea of knowing information. If I and we see this illustrated in Dijkstra in one of the previous chapters um, where you claim by claiming to already know everything. The other person is just kind of like, oh, yeah, well, okay, since you already know, like, you know, yeah, it was really wild what happened that, you know, back at the the tavern there that one time. And you just kind of sit there and be like, oh, something happened at the tavern. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally heard about that. It's really, really crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't believe that guy, you know, attacked the other guys. Yeah, I know. I know. He was such a weird looking person, too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was real tall and lanky and just like, I've never seen a person like that before. Yeah, it's really weird. He had crazy hair, too, didn't he? Yeah, that's a and, good point. And you can play it in a perfect way where you don't actually know anything, but you can, by claiming to know things, um, by claiming to know things, you, you kind of kind of tease out the information from other people. And I think that's basically Dijkstra's main game. Um, is he that does just have intelligent sources, but mm-hmm. I think that like in this particular case, that means the person that did it was very, very quiet was and very, strategic. very quiet about it. Yes. Yes. But I mean, if you're assassinating a king, first off, you better not miss. Um, <laughs> second off, you're going to be real quiet about it. Like that's not a, that's not a thing that you, you let anyone know kind of thing. So the fact that Dijkstra could, let this ha I mean like not let this happen but like the fact that it could happen when Dijkstra claims to know everything Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. very consequential Mm -hmm. also it means effectively the war has begun as we learn through Siri and her um conduiting like and that that scene is so pivotal in showing that this is way more than just like a small isolated like attack on, you know, Hogwarts, basically. Yeah. I keep referring to it as Hogwarts, but yeah. Let, let's talk about that for a minute. So Siri in her like, you know, the person that has been using her as essentially a, a vessel for mm-hmm. delivering this mm-hmm. message is able so to. So it was a person you say, huh? I don't actually mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. who it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's she, so wild that they, that they, they use her like that. You know, they have such a weird voice too, right? So <laughs> Siri in delivering this prophecy says things that no, that she could not possibly know. One of the things she says is that Dem event mm-hmm. of Adern attacked, um, mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. Dolangra mm-hmm. and in effect there is now war, like war yes. has begun. Yep. Like, it's not just a looming threat now. Mm-hmm. It's happening. Yes. And King Vizimir is dead. Like, that is something that is mm-hmm. entirely chaotic. Mm-hmm. Like, so the fact is that this magical assembly that was called to prevent a war or mm-hmm. perhaps do something about it mm-hmm. um, is now, in effect, yeah, yep, useless because yep. the war has begun. Mm-hmm. The time of contempt is mm-hmm. upon us. <laughs> So, like, were you surprised the war began this way or did you see this coming? I didn't. So 
I didn't see it coming quite so soon. Um, but I mean, I, I do kind of see from studying history that like that does seem to be the way all wars kind of start um, is that they tend to be these like perfect swirling storms of conditions um, of of things that just kind of happened kind of semi simultaneously or at least in a semi short period of time that there's just it, you know the the idea of the dominoes falling is very apt um, just in that there's a whole bunch of things that like just a couple of actions kind of fall into place and just cause a whole bunch of like collateral chaos um, that eventually causes an established conflict it's kind of the butterfly effect here because the mm-hmm. messenger died and yes. as a result the war happened like it mm-hmm. might have happened mm-hmm. eventually it just yeah. happened a lot sooner than they expected yep yep or it happened on terms that they weren't expecting like they didn't know yeah. that amir had a large force gathered mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ready to strike and so there there's there's another a good example of this in the lord of the rings movies um, and I know I, I call back to that a lot, um, but the scene at Helm's Deep has always kind of stood out to me quite a bit um, because it's the first example of out out and out open conflict um, in these movies and in the, in the books, too. Um, but there's a there's a little bit in it where all of the orcs have marched on Helm's Deep. They're surrounding the entire, you know, the entire building, the entire city. Um well, it's not right. the the fortress, the stronghold. Um, they have it completely surrounded. Um, there's ten thousand of them outside the gates, and the the men are you know geared up and ready to go inside the gates. Um, there's a whole bunch of archers standing on the priapets, um, and the orcs are standing there chanting and banging their drums and banging their spears, and. In the two seconds of in the in the few minutes of tension when they all get there, um, there's an old man who is holding an archer, uh, holding a bow, and he has it notched and he just can't hold it anymore and he lets go, accidentally, um, and it flies off into the into the orcs and it hits one of the ones in the front right in the neck and he falls over dead. And yeah. that's the thing that starts the conflict. That the, the orcs then charge the the fortress, um, everybody. But for the those few seconds up to that point, there's that building and rising and raising of tensions um, that continue to escalate. And then there's always that one little thing that just kind of snaps it. Um, and it's all it. I say this mostly from a historical context that there always does seem to just be one slight thing. One thing um, that pushes it over the edge, yes. such as the assassination of Franz Ferdinand. Franz Ferdinand, good example. Yep. Um, and there, there's a lot of other examples like that throughout history that like there are those points where like all of the armies are assembled, everybody's standing there chanting, banging their drums. The tensions are very, very high. But there's a possibility that if nothing happens, they may just kind of go home. You know, no one's looking for them to go home. And that's kind of not what the hope is usually kind of thing. But, you know, there is that little voice in the back of your head that's like, well, maybe they maybe if they all just, you know, stopped chanting so much and maybe if they all just hugged and like maybe they could just go home. But like there, there's always that one thing. 
and it's very very often not intentional so yeah war is here after, war bad <laughs> after several chapters of buildup through blood of elves mm-hmm. and now here mm-hmm. we finally have war um so Geralt and Vilgefortz mm-hmm. meet mm-hmm. in this very like so one of the things that's revealed here mm-hmm. is that Geralt makes it like we know that he lives because he yeah. reminisces on it also while he's, he's <laughs> also he does have some plot armor like let's be well, honest yeah. here so one of the things that happens mm-hmm. is that it's revealed that Geralt Geralt makes it to Brooklawn and has to mm-hmm. heal there mm-hmm. um and he says like the only thing he could have done differently is not fighting Vilgefortz Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. he meets Vilgefortz and this is like the true reveal of the villain yes like we got a little sprinkling Mm -hmm. of it like we know that he's a bad guy yeah from the last we don't know if he's the big bad we don't know if he's bbge he just might be eg right he might just be bad guy you know so like the fact that Geralt fights him and we know that Geralt does not fail in battle very often. No, like we we have never I mean we've we've heard stories of him like you know having some shortcomings, maybe getting beaten back a, a little bit, but he usually like kind of wins. It's just whether or not he gets close to winning or you know how close he is to winning or not. Um this is the first time we've ever seen him just soundly get his ass kicked. Like, like he didn't even have a chance. didn't didn't land a single blow. Um, and through throughout the entire series, we are we do see we don't even just hear like we don't even have it told to us. We see how constantly people comment on like he's so fast, he's inhumanly fast. Um, no man could ever like you know deflect a blow like that Unless kind of thing. It's not a man. Exactly, exactly. And and in that 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 little tiny line of like Geralt saying like. You know, he seems to not be. He realizes that he's something more than a man. Um, we kind of, as the reader, have the same realization. Like this, this guy is not human. Like there's, there's no way that he can move like this. That he can do these things, and be maybe. He, and like I'm even sitting there, like while we're reading it, like, well, maybe he like magically altered himself in some way, or like, I mean, magic explains a lot of things, but we haven't seen that that as an ability in in the magic world you know, up to this point. He's got the moves like Jagger. He's got those moves like Jagger. He's got those magical moves like Jagger. Like that staff that he's able to deflect everything mm-hmm, with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just like really meaningful because we know that Geralt doesn't lose. So when he loses yeah. so <laughs> like, badly, yes. like his femur is smashed. So people like to... um. So this is actually kind of a common trope in uh, the X-Men comics are a good example, actually. Um, They like to talk about how like um, Wolverine. So if you don't know the character Wolverine, he has these magical regenerative abilities, uh, mutated, mutated scientific regeneration abilities, whatever. Um, An indestructible skeleton and metal claw, indestructible metal claws that shoot out of his hands. Um He's always, like, built up as this big, tough, gruff, like, hard-to-kill, like, hero. Um, But he constantly gets his ass kicked. Like, all the time. Um, To the point where, like, it's kind kind of a joke and kind of a trope. Like, but all of the characters always tell us how much of a big badass he is. 
and he is a really cool character. I really enjoy Wolverine, you know, just in general. He's fun. Um, but he constantly gets his ass kicked. <laughs> and people always make him up to be this big, giant, you know, indestructible tank of a superhero. But they he gets his ass kicked to illustrate how big, bad, and, you know, evil the, the villain is that they're currently fighting. This is actually how that is supposed to play out. We have never actually seen Geralt get his ass kicked. So talk, in four books, right? Like we we are midway through mm-hmm. the fourth book in the series, yes. and we have never seen this. Never seen this, and like it's surprising in that like it subverts your expectations. Ooh, subverting mm-hmm. expectations. Yes, yes. Like we talk about that all the time, but it's like so we know what we expect to happen. Mm-hmm, Geralt's mm-hmm. our hero. Geralt's gonna win. He's going to win. Yeah, he's but Geralt. Then he doesn't, and not only does he not win, not only does he just get like knocked out, he like it's not even is close. Completely decimated. <laughs> yes. He doesn't die, but he's like close to death. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he survives is only because Triss mm-hmm, is madly mm-hmm. in love with him yes. and wants to save him. Yep. And it does bring into the question, like, okay, well, we've we don't know what actually would kill a Witcher, um, you know, like what level, and because we've never had to even question it. And it's kind of a weird place to be as a reader is like, okay, well, like, you know, what would it take to kill Geralt? Like, well, you know, we know that he's he's got weaknesses, but. We know that no Witcher has ever died in his own bed. But yeah, we also yep. know that it takes a lot to yep. defeat Geralt. We've yes. seen him fight. So, like, what do you make of, like, is Vilgefort's. Like, what is Vilgefort? Like, what what is he? Well, and that's the thing is that, like, I know you know, so. Um, but, like, we don't we don't really know. Like, we've never seen anything like him before um, because we've we've seen we've seen Geralt kind of go toe to toe a little bit with wizards and sorcerers, sorceresses before. Um, and like he. Obviously, they usually beat him, but he kind of knows that they they would beat him um, because Geralt can't do much against just straight up magic. Um, He has some ability in that regard and he can kind of like counter some of their spells, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But he usually kind of stays out of it. He usually doesn't try to fight them very often, but we, we think that it would kind of, you know, like in our reader imagination, if you were to pit like, you know, Geralt versus, um, um, the PETA wizard guy. Dorgray. Dorgray. Um, Dorgray would probably win, but it would probably be a pretty close fight. Um, Geralt probably has some tricks up his sleeve that would probably allow him to, to, to win. You know, the, he, Geralt, Geralt can't do anything about the magic, but the sorcerer usually can't do anything about the fact that Geralt is fast as hell. Um, and yeah. Geralt would probably land some type of killing blow after maybe one or two spells from the sorcerer. His reflexes, mm-hmm. his quickness, and his like muscle memory end up usually being the things that win him the battle. Exactly. Um, so we, you know, he, Geralt doesn't try to go up against sorcerers because he, it's usually a losing battle, and he kind of does know that, but he can kind of hold his own to some extent. This is the first time that we have seen none of that come into play. He Geralt gets his ass thoroughly handed to him. 
and it's like, not for lack of not fighting well. Yes, and like it, Geralt gets all of the moves right. He gets all of the, you know, we even we even hear the, uh, you know, earlier in the chapter, you know, uh, Siri fought like a, a mother cat protecting her kittens, and Geralt fought like a straight up tiger. Zeracanian a tiger. Zeracanian tiger, which, uh, anyways. It's like Africa. Yeah, I, yeah. The I, well, <laughs> there's a little bit of problematicness there, but we'll, we'll, it doesn't come up much, and maybe we'll, we'll probably branch into it at some point. But, um, we don't talk a lot about the southern countries, just FYI. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, um, yeah. And so now, like, this is the first time, like, so Geralt has literally thematically been compared to a tiger. And so you have to sit there and think, like, as a person, what would kill a tiger? That's a good point. <laughs> what would and kill a tiger? Not just kill a tiger, like, just straight up make it look stupid. Like, what is so powerful that it can, like, that it can stop a tiger in its tracks and just not even care? So I, I think that's a compelling question. We don't get answers yeah, right now. Yeah. I did want to touch on another thing, which mm-hmm. is that Siri confronts her nightmare. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. confronts um, the man with the mm-hmm. wings on his helmet mm-hmm. who has been chasing her mm-hmm. through Sintra, through wherever she's been. She has always been afraid of him. But here, after Geralt gives her her sword and warns mm-hmm. her she might have to kill with it, mm-hmm she is able to confront this on her own mm-hmm. and it's like kind of disappointing in a way because mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. when she knocks off his helmet he's not this scary demon yeah he's this yep. scared kid yeah we also learn his name which mm-hmm. has a way of humanizing mm-hmm. um we learned that this is k here yep this is a nilf guardian kid he's mm-hmm. not He's mm-hmm. not evil. He's yep. just a kid trying to do a job that mm-hmm. we know Amir gave to him. <sighs> so the fact that both Siri and Geralt spare him mm-hmm. is significant. Yeah. Um, so that is significant as well. Um, and I don't know that we've... I, I feel like we've talked about, uh, about this before on the podcast. Um, but this does touch very heavily on the banality of evil. Um, you know, what do you do with the Nazis who were just following orders? Um, you know, the people who who weren't really um, who weren't really necessarily like, you know, part of the thing. They weren't necessarily like orchestrating this big evil takeover, but they were just doing what they were told to do. And they were just doing, you know, the job that they were given. Um and it's an important concept. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of interesting too, because we find out that he is the one that got Siri out of Sintra. Um, he got her out. And we do find out also that I'm going to bring in the Nazis a lot here because there are a lot of direct parallels um that we find historically you know um there have been members of former nazis who came up on trial and a whole bunch of people came out and said 
this person, you know, even though he's on trial for being a Nazi and a war criminal, he smuggled thousands, you know, they smuggled thousands of people out of the country. Um, he saved countless lives, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this touches on that. Um, this touches on the idea of like, does, you know, does that one person, does that one person saving a life here counteract, you know, them being a part of something larger and eviler? Um, we know that, you know, we know that, that the Nilfgaardians are essentially stand-ins for Nazis. Um, this is kind of a lot of what, what the themes are kind of building to, um, part of, you know, being part of Eastern Europe, you know, I, I, I feel like the, the narrative is very rife there. Um, most of the time I speak out of my known experience, but, um, it's, it's difficult because I think that in some ways they are an analog for Germany, mm-hmm. but in other ways, like they're kind of confusing. They mm-hmm. ally with elves, like they ally with like yeah. an oppressed group. The ends justify the means for the elf guardians. Yeah. Well, and, and so that, yeah, they're not necessarily a direct analog, but that is something that authoritarian, authoritarian regimes tend to do is that they will identify a marginalized subgroup in in a region um offer them support offer them you know offer them uh potential land once they win etc cetera, etc cetera, um and just feed them resources and just watch them try and push their own and push into their own region where they exist like almost a proxy war yeah i mean we don't know anything about that yeah um but the fact that this guy is humanized and the fact that mm-hmm. he's had like some somewhat of a redemption. Yeah. So this kind of and it, it does kind of fall apart a little bit in the in the whole like. So, you know, the big movie from that period and from World War Two would be Schindler's List um, talking about, you know, uh, Nazi smuggling people out of out of Germany, things like that. Um, and, you know, trying to trying to be a good person, even in the face of all of this, um, that analogy does fall apart a little bit here in that he is now continuing to fulfill whatever those orders were. Um, so I think, I think there's definitely some subtext here that we know that, uh, Amir had him captive for several years because of a quote unquote mistake that he made, um, so there's a good chance that I, I think that it he may have been held prisoner by Amir. Um, Amir may have figured out that he Siri got away because of what he did. Um, and now so Amir just kind of beats him until he, you know, submits to the orders that he's given kind of thing. A distinct possibility. Yeah. And, and that as a result of the years in captivity and the years in in, you know, in torment. Um, he now just blindly follows whatever the hell he's told. Um, and that's the only way that he knows to, to get out of whatever situation he's in. So um, I'm sure we'll pick up on that. There might be, there might be future plot lines mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. involved in that. I'm assuming, especially since, you know, he's been kept alive. Um, and I think it may be, it may be a little bit of a Darth Vader type arc where like, oh, he's still got a conscience about him and like he may 
you know, uh, maybe a sort of like a, well, you know, pity may have spare stayed, pity may have stayed Geralt's hand at the time, but, uh, you know, the winged knight may have a larger hand to play and maybe he might have a, a, a strike of conscience later on. So, um, our final scene where mm-hmm. Geralt and Vilgefort's fight. Mm-hmm. Um, we also know that Siri has run into this Tower of Gulls. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Torlara, okay, this is our Chekhov's gun. Yeah, like another yes. Chekhov's gun. Is that <laughs> There's a lot of those. In, in... We have constantly heard, okay, this tower, this tower, mm-hmm. Torlara, mm-hmm. yep, Tower yep, of Gulls. Yep. Like, it's like Siri at one point, mm-hmm. like in chapter two, is on the cliff looking at it. Yes. It seems to yep. be calling to her. Yes. So it is calling to her, mm-hmm. and we're wondering like where it leads. We know from the beginning, from the reading, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that it's unknown. Like yeah. destination yep. unknown. Yes. That is probably my biggest question at the end of this chapter is like, what happens when Geralt passes out? Because like he is our POV character. And like once he passes out, like I'm assuming Volgafort's just kind of walks over him up the stairs, like and just goes in. Like the only thing we know is that like the tower is completely disappeared by the time Geralt comes to. It's okay. gone. It's off the face of the earth. So that is gone. Okay. So I wasn't quite catching that. Um, but I'm glad you pointed it out because that is pretty important. It's gone. Um, it's done. I mean, like something happened and mm-hmm. it's not clear what. Okay. But, you know, the one thing, um, so to say it rise has sort of a play. She has an interesting role in this mm-hmm, chapter mm-hmm. where she ends up being like, there's great people on both sides mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. unleashing all of the chaos of Vilgefort's. So that is probably my biggest question with this whole chapter is why did Tessia DeVry raise the barrier in the first place? Like, so she's in this, they're in this, this chamber, they're having a meeting where she's talking about how, oh, both sides are bad and you're all terrible for bringing political influence into, into the, the sacred council of, of brotherhood. Um, but then she just like, raises the garage door and like lets the cats out like like why like why Um, i think like if i'm trying to understand her actions here mm -hmm. i think she believed that it was like sort of a witch hunt like okay i mean funny because they're they're sorcerers (laughs) and sorceresses (laughs) they are witches and warlocks anyways but um i think she thought oh this is just a witch hunt perpetrated by philippa and Mm -hmm. at one point she's like i'm ashamed of you philippa i used to think you were like the best student i ever had but now i yeah i I don't want to be associated with you um so she thinks that philippa is um leading a hunt for Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all of these people with no proof nothing really other than a hunch mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like so i think to say i thought really like these people are innocent mm-hmm. and i think only afterwards she realized like i made a huge mm-hmm, mistake mm-hmm. um it may also sort of be a little bit of the idea that like um it, it, if you've ever had like someone say to you well if all of your friends jumped off a bridge would would you as well um i mean 
I always like the counter that, well, if all of my friends who I know and trust are very rational and reasonable people are jumping off of a bridge, there's probably a good reason for it. And they may know something that why why are my friends jumping <laughs> off of this bridge is a bigger yeah. question. I trust them. I know them. They wouldn't just be jumping off of a bridge for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so it may be kind of that, that like, okay, Tasea sees Philippa as, okay, she is my most gifted pupil of all time. She is very competent. She is very intelligent. I trust her. She's usually She usually knows something about something. Why is she jumping off this bridge? I guess maybe to be on the safe side, maybe I should consider jumping too. I think in Tasea's case, and not to make a lot of um, excuses for Tasea, mm-hmm. but I think that she's a very, very old person, like mm-hmm. one of the mm-hmm. oldest sorceresses living. True, true. So I think she was just like, what the hell is happening? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand why everyone's going at each other. This mm-hmm. is what I've been preserving. Like, I yes, was one of yes. the founders of Eretuza. Yep. Like, so everyone can just get along. Like, yeah, everyone yep. can just figure it out and Mm -hmm. then only after she lifted the barricade was she reminded oh not everyone is on the same side yep not everyone can get along Mm -hmm. there might be more to this than i'm seeing yes yeah so final question Mm -hmm. where do you think siri went in the portal well okay so you just revealed a little bit there because Well, she went into the tower. So which has a portal. she went into the tower. It had a portal. Yeah. Um, hmm. Did. Uh, yeah. That, that was really wild that the portal did things right. You know, and then then the, all that stuff that happened after the portal, after she went in there. Right. Kind of wild. Right. Um. So there's a lot of implication that the that the tower is connected to. So the Tower of Gulls is supposed to be connected to the Tower of Sparrows. Tower of the Sparrow. The Tower of the Sparrow, which a little bit of foreshadowing, I feel like. Siri had always been called Little Sparrow. by Zerail. Huh? Zerail. Yeah. Um, Had always been referred to as Little Sparrow by a bunch of people. Um, So I think it's a little bit fitting that she ended up in there somewhere. And, and witchers drink the potion of the gull the white gull and the black gull which might be a metaphor for Geralt facilitating series forward progression somewhere it's gulls all the way down it's gulls all the way down um but but realistically like where she went i i don't actually know um wow you have a lot of opinions and not a lot of answers exactly exactly i mean that's that's what i'm good at i'm good at raising questions and not answering them it's my skill um but yeah so like there's a lot of foreshadowing there and i feel like so there's also the question of like maybe no one's been able to work the portals this particular portal because it was specifically set up to be used by elves or it was specifically set up to be used by the chosen one you know um and i don't know um there's a lot of questions there are a lot of questions a lot of questions where is siri where is siri i put her on a milk carton i have a sneaking suspicion um, that Vogelforts might have something to do with the wild hunt. Um, 
might have something to do with the the wild frost. The um, wild frost. Wild frost. The white frost. White frost. Wild hunt. Um, <laughs> the wild frost. <laughs> it is a very wild frost. Um, and I think maybe she might be um, in their clutches. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I guess we'll just have to find out. We're going to have to find out. But in the meantime, I think the fire might be getting a little low. It's time to it's time to get into a fight with your closest friends and sorcerers and sorceresses. Well, I don't know any sorcerers and sorceresses, so you're just going to have to find some. And you're like my only friend. So does that mean we have to fight? I guess. OK, um, get the gloves out, um, put the helmet on, mouth guard in. Let's go. Just don't shatter my femur, please. <laughs> God, even just like joking about that. Ooh, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. Like, ugh. Anyways, I think the, the fire is getting a little low. And I think it's time to call it an afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Operate into the great unknown. Well, technically, it's actually a disapparation. So the fire is getting a little low. I think it's time to go. Until next time, I'm John Mark. I'm Alexa. Good night. Good night.